0: All right, it's after the gig. How you doing? My name's Jesse. I am your host, as always. And today on the show, I have the wonderful Pat McGee. Pat and I met uh, way back when, when I was playing drums for Stephen Kellogg. And lately, I've been doing some gigs with Pat up in New England. And uh, we have a couple things coming up in the summertime in July. So more on that another time. But It was really, really great to sit down with him and talk and talk about the days, the good old days, and um, and what he has going on with these these special events that he has. Rather than doing all the the touring around the country in a bus and all that stuff, he has these awesome homegrown events that he does all throughout the year. And I actually find it very fascinating and very awesome that he does things like that because, you know, when you're touring around. Yes, it's super fun, but there's just these uh, uh, these times when you just want to bring everybody to you. And that's kind of what he does. And he puts on special cool things during these events, and I find it fascinating. But anyway, uh, you can email into the podcast after the gig pod at gmail.com. And also, just to let you know before we get into this episode, uh, I've been delayed for the last couple of months. Not really delayed, but just just been working on some of my own music. Been trying to uh, record, do the home recording thing, and get some music out there this year. So I've been feeling very very inspired lately to write some songs, and I've uh, I've written a bunch of them over the last couple of months, and I've been laying them down. So expect to hear some music um, from me later this year. So with that said, and without further ado, here is the episode with Mr. Pat McGee.
1: There's certainly a lot of people in Rhode Island that moved back to the towns they grew up in, which Makes me feel good because I have four kids and I hope they all come back, but yeah, there's also a level of like when people hear Barrington, they go, oh, Barrington. Barrington. Well, isn't this like Dan Mills came over and he was like, I want to hate it here, but I don't. Yeah. Not cool, man. Why is it so nice over here? I'm like, I don't know, dude. I'm from the suburbs of Northern Virginia. Like this is like a vacation spot. All of Rhode Island seems that way to me. Yeah, I mean, granted, I live in the East Bay area, I guess, and it's funny visiting Rhode Island as a as a college kid with my ex-wife and we were doing the Newport bar scene like mm-hmm. and you're thinking this is this is incredible of course I'll move to Rhode Island this is like and all this farmland but ocean and yeah she was living she grew up in Portsmouth so oh okay cool. great great town nice and sleepy but uh that's the know. best thing about those towns is they're
0: sleepy but they don't have it's it's like Beachy vacation spot, but it doesn't have any of the uh it has more has the charm to it. Like the, Absolutely. Old,
1: the old architecture and yeah. the
0: colonial kind of looking oh, there's, things and stuff. You're
1: hard pressed to find a house that looks exactly like your house. And there's right. one in Bristol and we stop by it all the time. We're like, We'd love to walk in there. And right. the neighborhood I grew up in had four models. Yeah. In Northern Virginia, every third house looked the same. So it just doesn't, it's not like that up here. And I, I do love it. I love the uniqueness of Rhode Island. I love the, if I'm being honest, I love the liberal vibe that's up here. Mm-hmm. It just fits my way of life in general. I'm not right. very a very political person, but certain things make me just go, really? <laughs> um, so uh It's very anyway. different from Virginia. Especially Richmond. Yeah. I grew up in Northern Virginia, which felt like D.C., um, Alexandria. And then, um, and then when I went to, richmond after college started the band there mm-hmm. it's totally different 90 miles south of northern virginia yeah it's crazy but richmond is blown up as you know you spend a lot of time down there with Cartwright, yeah but i i love
0: richmond like, it's like freaking
1: awesome city man i like hanging out in the fan and oh and, yeah and um you know it's super cool Yes. Yeah. there's the and it's it's blown up but it's also blown up in the right way i think down mm-hmm. there restaurants are incredible everything about richmond is cool um but there is i don't know for me personally like living in the northeast i just like dig it i feel like this is where i want to be forever and yeah i love it i mean providence is an easy airport to deal with you know it's nice do you um do you ever
0: find that it's like musically are, are you ever are you kind of keyed in or tuned in to the scene here at all or you just kind of like do your own thing no
1: i wish i was more we were just talking earlier about Mm. piano players and you know if you're off the road i know that you live fairly close like because my guys are all spread all over the country so right it's a bummer that we don't live here i I really wish they did live closer because you know it, it would be nice to be able to get together and run some stuff yeah we're not a practicing we've never been a band that practiced like i dread band practice it's I feel like up. no
0: band, like Carbon Leaf doesn't, we, we don't no do rehearse. Band.
1: We don't rehearse.
0: Um, you know, when I was playing with Kellogg, he, do, he does make a point to, to right. get a few rehearsals in before heading out for some right. whatever thing he's doing. But yeah, and I, I have I have become accustomed to right. never rehearsing.
1: I mean, yeah, we've done shows together where I'm just like, here's the set, show up, and we just yeah. swing for the fences. Dude, the set we did in Hartford I thought was amazing. It was awesome. It was awesome. great, and it was so musical- and I liked how
0: that that room. I last time I was there at mm-hmm. Infinity Hall, it was a it was a standing show. Okay, so, and uh, I'd never been in. That was only the second time I was there playing okay. with you, and it was awesome that it was seated. And I right. like how we started started like
1: ease them in and right. get them listening and kind of yeah, get man. them on the side. It was cool. I just like I don't know. I like things to be different every single time. I mean, mm-hmm. how we played Rebecca Blindfold the other night. So. <laughs> Was, someone took a video of that and I watched it. I was like, I, the,
0: it was awesome until the, and, and then we got to the end. I was like, I can't see anyone yeah. or anything. Yeah. And you're playing
1: a kit that's not yours. And you're like, wait, where's that? Where's the stuff? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was fun though. It, it was, was cool. you know, that's when I was like, wow, well, I guess I do know where the B is when I'm not looking at it. Cause I'm used to, you know, if I was like the guitar player in someone else's band, I guess I'd probably, I, I guess I've been trained to not look at the guitar. Yeah. I am not claiming that I know where I am on that thing, but the muscle memory certainly is there. It's funny. I bought a Paul Reed Smith recently, really, and it's off just enough that it made me freak out. I mm. couldn't every every time I went to where I thought I was on the neck, I wasn't there. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I can't, you know, teach an old dog new tricks. Like this cu- the guitar is awesome, but it's going back to the store. Yeah, yeah. Um, because it was just a, it's a, it's a scale between a Fender and a Gibson. And oh. it freaked me out so much. I was like, and the string spacing was weird to me. I was like, I can't get my fingers. I do a lot of finger pulling on the strings and not like straight strumming. So yeah. there were it's those guitars play amazing, but for me So Gibson Gibson's a shorter scale length, right? Yeah, and, shorter, and, and a little shorter, longer. and fender's a little longer. I gotcha. But it's like I even know those two in my head because I've just kind of bounced back and forth between those two mm-hmm. so much. And mm-hmm. most guitar manufacturers, I think, make their guitars. In in that way, I'm that I'm realm. no I'm no guitar nerd, but I just know what doesn't feel right. Yeah. So back to playing Rebecca blindfolded, it's and playing songs differently every single time. It's just what I like to do. Why has that uh, become something that you like to do so much? I just, well, I grew up loving the Allman Brothers, Grateful Dead, and and uh, you know, hearing music that was like I don't know what's going to happen. Like when my wife is like, you want to go see this artist or that artist. Like, well, if I've seen them before and I know their catalog. You've seen it. I kind of have seen it. And it's it doesn't mean I don't like it. It's it's fantastic. But it's like, these days, if I'm going to go see a show, I need to be like, man, I want to be like super inspired, you know. It, it, I've already gotten the inspiration out of that artist from whatever show they did. I mean, I'm I'm almost that way with James Taylor. It's like, mm-hmm. if James Taylor, who's like one of my heroes, I've seen him a ton, but it doesn't seem to be changing enough for me to be like. You know, if you told me he had a different band or or they were going to do like deep cuts and he was going to play a more electric or yeah, something weird. I, like, I I'm totally I'm with into you that. On that. I'm completely with you. Like I don't want to hear, you know, <clears throat> I will give even someone who talking about my wife obsessed with John Mayer. I know you like John. Me too. So he and look, I'm very thankful that he got into the dead on for so many reasons. But um I sort of heard it coming on the What's the born and raised record? Maybe born and raised Paradise Valley. So like, I don't know what the tune is, but there's an outro, and I was like, "Yep, there." He's definitely listening to the dead. Yeah, Listen it's to the that. one.
0: It's the one where it, it it the the drums start start the song back up goes da, 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 boom, da, da. right. Make you better, wise up, boy, and then he does all those right. Jerry licks. Yeah. right, right, right. Mm-hmm.
1: And Tara was like, "What? No," and she's always got it. My wife's got it in her head, like my sister. The Dead. Every song sounds the same. I'm like, that couldn't be more false statement ever. Like, I honestly, I I yeah. honestly had the same thought. Right. You, you know, I I never liked The Dead. Like, right. I hated The Dead. Sure, I understand that. Um,
0: until, until not not when John Mayer, you know, did the Dead and co, Dead and Co thing, but um, Dan actually helped me, yeah, give me some recordings right. that were more. Song oriented that didn't just go on forever. Like, right i I get stressed out when I don't right. know when it's gonna end. <laughs>
1: like, no, I understand that. You know what I mean. I'm like, right. where is this
0: going? Right, the drums are falling apart. Right, you know? and um, yeah, I just never, I never
1: had, yeah, had that, and I, and I had to like learn to right. appreciate it. There's just like so many. It. There's just all over the map from like being a a jug band, a folk band to a yeah, a, sort of a rock band on some of the stuff, and then you know. Which as an artist, I'm sure you can appreciate
0: like having all these different like incarnations. I imagine I love it's that. Like cool. I
1: mean, in my brain, my records are all very different from the one previous. Uh, maybe not the first two. But um, when the band started getting together, every time we made a record, you know, all the bands that I loved, including Dead and I mean, okay. hell, The Police, um, Beatles, U2, R.E.M., they had records that would come out, Chili Peppers, even Metallica. It'd be like, well, "What's this? This is like totally different." And you're like, "This is where they're at right now." And I'm gonna just soak this in. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's just I like when stuff, you know, goes somewhere else and yeah. and it's unpredictable. And that's definitely gonna be a focus for me for my next record. Even not that I've ever really been like, I'm deliberately gonna go in this direction because that's not the case. It's just like because I make a record every three or four years, that's just where I am three or four years later. Yeah. It doesn't mean I've been like, now I'm going to make a keyboard pop record. Yeah. I've, I've decided. It's more like, you know, when I when I made the record with those section guys, it was because I was listening to a crap ton of vinyl. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, these are the records I grew up loving. Why don't I make a record that sounds like this? Like, Because mm-hmm. this is why I picked up the guitar and started singing in the first place. Because these... Dudes track, you know, four through eight on the record were like some of my favorites. Yeah. And as opposed to thinking the opposite way, like, well, I don't have the single yet, so I can't make the record. Like, no, just make the record and see what happens. Single, whatever that is anymore. Um, yeah. That's who cares? Another, that's another thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even care about that. Uh, I just want to write songs that, that I like, and I hope that people dig, and, you know. Do you so, have an
0: idea of, uh, well, you mentioned on stage the other night that you were bum that your last record came out right at the beginning of the pandemic yeah i heard it and well it just obviously
1: is a bummer but yeah, you just want people to hear it that's all
0: right and we were supposed to tour on it and you know yeah it didn't happen and do you have like an idea or any kind of um did basically just an idea for the next record uh that you want to
1: yeah hear? um well the more guitar i play actually i think the pandemic did you either went one direction or the other. You either played the hell out of your instrument because you're just bored out of your mind or quit. Or you just like, I'm done with <laughs> this. This is stupid and I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. Or got a job in IT. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Got it. Got some other random job. So I went the other direction because these guitars live in their cases. They were never, I have maybe one out, but if you ask my family, they don't see me play guitar. Hmm. And I love playing guitar, but I would only <clears> do it at shows and on the road and in the hotel. I get home. I got four kids. Like, I I try and balance all that stuff. Yeah. And there's just not that much time to sit around. But right. then we were all forced to have all the time in the world. So I got every damn guitar out, put them up on the walls, got them, you know, out of the attic, and and just started nerding out on guitar and got back into playing for for like a like I was 15 again. That's when awesome. I first got my guitar. I'm like, this thing is so fun. <clears throat> yeah. I'm like, oh, you can play a B there nobody you know i didn't know that it's yeah. just kind of like one of these um i never took guitar lessons i never i never you know i took uh music theory for a quick second and like ran out of the room like <laughs> i cannot this is this is math to me and i don't want to ruin what i what i already know <laughs> which is very little but i have the same i had the same feeling you yeah know, for for that kind of stuff i like, mean
0: my, i did it i got through it
1: i have girls in college um and I, they recently were stressing about the grades they were getting. One of might have gotten a C on an exam. I'm like, if I got a C on any exam in college, I would sad. put that shit on the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> that was the greatest thing ever. The first F I ever got in my life was guitar in college. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Really? Jazz, guitar, in college. I took it. I thought, easy A, man. This is going to help my GPA. Yeah. And the funniest thing is that this guy, this professor at Longwood College down in Virginia, now it's university. But I at the time I was playing like four or five nights a week in bars, solo acoustic covers, just living the dream, being nineteen and mm-hmm. making cash money and having no bills and just entertaining people for that were all like my age. Yeah. Um, and I was trying to uh, get this EZA, and the dude was like, "You got to bail on this acoustic stuff you're doing in bars. It's going to ruin your playing." Your blah blah. I'm like, "What? I you know." I'm playing all classic rock stuff. It's like, I don't understand. I'm like, I'm not a jazz, you know, virtuoso. I'm just taking this course to learn some licks and play some fun chords. And I thought I'd have a leg up on people, but he was really hardcore. And he goes, my buddy is in this band in Charlottesville. He's like moonlighting in this band. And it we have a jazz band together and he is wasting his time. It's they're They're all over the map. They make no sense musically. And he needs to stick to his jazz. Uh That's, his name was Tim Reynolds of <laughs> Dave Matthews. Nice. And I'm sitting there going, I didn't know. He didn't tell me. I didn't, he could have said Dave Matthews. I had no idea who he was. Right. in 1991. Yeah. And and I didn't know. Certainly didn't know who Tim Reynolds was. And later learned like, oh, this guy Mike plays in a jazz quartet with Tim Reynolds on the side, and he's pissed that he that he's wasting his time. And he's still wasting his time playing arenas. It's,
0: it's so. <laughs> It's, it's, it's like the perfect thing. It's like the guy that thinks he knows everything. And then oh, yeah.
1: and I looked him up, he's still teaching guitar. I was like, I
0: bet, you know,
1: I want to write him a note and be like, not, not like a, Hey, F you kind of note. Just like, Hey, just want to give you an update. Tim's doing great. Tim's okay. Um, and I'm, I'm, you know, way far behind him, but I'm totally cool with where I'm at. So I don't really, you know, I still play guitar for a living. It says it on my tax return somehow. Yeah. So that's, The best thing ever, really. It's awesome. Um,
0: I had a, I had a teacher. I went to CCRI Community College for a couple years before I went, uh, before I went to Berkeley. Before Berkeley mm. decided, like, okay, finally, we'll we'll let them in. (laughs) Um, And I had, I took a jazz band course, and they had three different bands, like the A B C band, and I had never really played jazz before. I I was never a strong reader, like sight reader and stuff like that early on, and. Um, so I was in the C band and, you know, I was playing, I was doing the best I could trying to learn. And right. we had, it was a trio, right. me bass, uh, upright bass and guitar. And it was fun. We had a lot of fun, but sure. anytime I would talk to the professor and like, right. he would like come in and listen and hear us play, he would just always talk about how like the drummer would be the first one to go and how the drummer would be the first one to be fired. Like you don't really need drums and jazz. As long as you have bass, then you're all good. And like, really the drummer is the first one to get to go. (laughs) Like like, that's totally what you need for jazz. I'm like, okay. Okay. (laughs) Right. But we still have drums here. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. You're still a thing. Yeah. It was just so funny. And he had like master doctorate in music and right. You
1: know, that's great. Well, I I sat in on a class, um, so I have this event that I do. We can talk about that later. But one of the artists that played, Livingston Taylor, who's a professor at Berkeley, Yeah, I love Livingston. James's James's older brother, I guess. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So after his performance at my event, he goes, hey, man, do you want to come sit in on one of my classes in Berkeley?" I'm like, "Uh, yeah, I've never done that. That sounds freaking awesome. Mm -hmm. So I go, I'm sitting in that little performance room, but you probably been in there. Which I don't one? know. I don't know what building it is, but like I go into this building, I take a right, and there's a little classroom on the right. It's not much bigger than this whole floor, and um, you know, a bunch of chairs and a little stage with a grand piano on it. And yeah. um, and it was like these kids had to present their like end of semester performance to be like, mm-hmm. "Am I any good? Am I doing this right?" Yeah. I don't know exactly what class it was. He maybe it was he performance. He must have been.
0: He must have been doing because I'm pretty sure he's in the songwriting department.
1: Yeah, it was some sort of performance <clears throat> though because he was
0: really like critiquing that. He could have been. He could have been an ensemble teacher because um, I think
1: a lot of a lot of professors and stuff right. run ensembles yeah, as it well. Was, it was it was intense, and I go and sit in the back of the room. There's only like ten rows in this room, and in walks Jimmy Buffett and sits down next to me. Whoa, he had he was doing he was playing in the little. The, th- the small theater you guys have there yeah. for the kids, and I went to that as well, which was really awesome. BPC. There yeah. you go. Yeah. But he sat down, and I'm like, oh, my God. Uh, hello, Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> and we had a good little chat, and then he got up there and played a tune. and That's it was, awesome. And the kids kind of cared, not really. Yeah. And I'm sitting there going, people would pay millions of dollars to just sit in this room and have this guy tell these stories. Um, but one of the performances was a drummer. Okay. Uh, a guy got up, and he's like, Everyone, you know, piano player. Was, they were, these were all solo performances. They just got up there, and Livingston would just—I mean, you think Simon Cowell was mean, like in American Idol days? Livingston just Ripped just gave up. him the like the the heavy dirt, just like the straight like listen, start over again, like stop, stops. And he was a lot of kids left the stage in tears. Oh, I bet. Um, part of part of a
0: Berkeley professor's job is to get people to drop out. That's part of it. You know, it's, it's to, you have a lot of kids there that, you know, maybe, maybe they came from wealthy families and it's an expensive school and, and, um, they didn't realize what it will take or, or the relationships you have to have or the actual amount of work that you have to put into it, like beyond your raw talent.
1: Everybody there
0: has raw talent, some, some more than others, right? But at a certain point, it only gets you so far right? and you have to like, you know, you have to appreciate the, the history of the music that you're playing. You have to learn from the right. bottom up. You have to know the, the key players and stuff like that. And when people don't do it, like professors, I'm sure Livingston Taylor, I had a guy, um, Bertram Lehman was a drummer teacher, uh, mm-hmm. a, a drum instructor, like they take offense if you are not interested in finding out where this came from, because they've spent so many hours working on these things. And when you try to like take a shortcut, they, they let you know.
1: Oh, this was this drumming performance. This this was like a life lesson. This kid got up real slow, like just picture Questlove, like standing up real chill and slow. And he's like, well, there's a drum kit on stage. There's no symbols on it. Mm -hmm. It's clearly hasn't been set up, but it's, it's kind of there. Yeah. And he gets up and these, these are one after the next like performances. He's like, come on, come on, let's go, let's go. We got a lot of performances to get through here. Yeah. So this kid slowly, you know, struts up to the stage and he's like, uh, there's no symbols. So he's slowly going into the gear closet. Let me like, absolutely not play the drum kit. <laughs> yeah. He, he's like, I can't, there's no symbols. He's like, are you a drummer or are you not a drummer? I want—I need to know this right yeah, now. Yeah, make it work. He's like, sit down and play your performance. Let's hear, let's hear, let's hear your piece. And he's, and he's completely deflated. The, the kid sits down. He's just like, starts to play this piece on drums. And he looked like he wasn't having a great time. And at—and he played about a minute and a half. And he goes, absolutely. He's, you know, needle Cross record, stop. We're done here. Mm-hmm. He's like, try it again. Sit up, taller. And then he said said something, Livingston said something funny. And the kid had this smile for days. Like he laughed. He was like, he just, he looked like a different human. Yeah. Like, oh, look at that kid. He's all happy. Yeah. He goes, that face right there. Play the performance with that happiness. Mm -hmm. I want to see it right now. He's like, I want to do the same exact piece. And the kid played the same piece looking like he just won the lottery. And he got like a standing ovation. It was so awesome. It's crazy. And the kid didn't have any symbols. He just... And you could feel it. He played it better. It just was like, and Livingston's dancing around the room. I'm like, this was cool, man. Yeah. It was it's a really cool, cool moment.
0: Well, they show they show you that like, you know, the show must go on mm-hmm. and performing is like, you know, it, you take, you take what's given to you and you have to, and it's all about your attitude. <laughs> like, you know, the PA went down the other night and you went out there and, oh, did, right. and did a song and. And everybody starts saying it. it was great, and, and yeah. that creates a moment that like they'll they'll talk about, right? It, and that,
1: yeah, New Year's—we were talking about New Year's Eve. We were uh, we were in a, a a mansion that's like as old as the Titanic, <laughs> and uh, shocker, the PA the power wasn't cutting it, and the sound system basically died. And here we have people like ready to rage on New Year's Eve. They needed little, like, <clears throat> like dance music and yeah. upbeat stuff, and. I just grabbed the acoustic and said, dude, let's stand in the audience and play Let It Be. Literally a song I've played once in my life. Yeah. I, th- it's just one of those songs that's incredible, but I've never chosen to cover it or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It's like playing Imagine. Like I don't really Right. You know, I don't I'm gonna, I'm gonna fall short on that. So but the sing along of Let It Be was probably a highlight, like you're saying, for the moment of that, that night. And Yeah, it was great. It we it bought us enough time for mackaloon and john to put the pa back i don't know what they did
0: i don't know what they did i'm either. like how
1: did you get power back to the system that's insane i just saw them looking at each other just like mm, yeah. I was oh like, it's on my notes next year generators are going to be out back in the <laughs> woods like 100 foot cables I don't. have you it. done
0: the new year's eve
1: gig thing every year yeah you do it every year we always bounce around but that place wants us back every year i couldn't believe it really i was shocked i was that's like awesome. we went in there like a bunch of vikings and turned like the swankiest place into. you never know with places like that when you do <sighs> no you know, when i expected the next day to fame. be told like that was interesting thank you but <laughs> yeah. we'll see you next time like as an as a visitor to our mansion <laughs> <laughs> it was cool i mean we listen it was uh you know all your listeners out there i've thrown jesse to like so many rando gigs. Like, but I'm so yeah. glad we had Hartford to yeah. be like, all right, well, this is what I like to do. This is what I do. Yeah. And yeah, then yeah. this New Year's Eve event is like I like throwing events, but sometimes I forget, oh, I also have to be the musician guy. And like right. and the cover band thing is not like my forte. I don't really dig doing it. It's like I don't know those guitar riffs. Like you should know them. Right. Um, I just sort of get through them. I've always been like with all you know, some of my favorite bands that do covers, they basically, unless you're talking about like Zach Brown, who like perfects the song, yeah. And they're, you know, no offense to them, but I feel like they're becoming like a cover band. It's like I saw them at Fenway, uh, and the show was incredible. They played nine covers at Fenway, nine covers, nine covers. Well, the. <sighs> They're just he's in, he's in. I'm going to entertain the crap. Exactly. Out of these people. Exactly, and he's doing an amazing job. Yeah, it. it's like they am with the hot teacher.
0: Really? Yes, it's incredible. <laughs> that, he's he's the guy that's just always going to give them what they want. And is totally, like, I want to keep playing Fenway every year. <laughs> right, <laughs> and we're gonna make this a party.
1: I don't blame him one bit. <laughs> no, I do not. I hope he, I hope he gets time to do like hey, I'm going to do, like, theaters and play my tunes, and you're not going to hear, yeah. I'm not going to cover Rage Against the Machine, Metallica, uh, have the James Taylor wheel. He yeah. has all these things that he does, and they're awesome. And that's what you kind of, I mean. I, like an intimate night with Zach Brown. There's no turning back club. from that, though. Like, that's why we went, all, that's why it's my event and my band open for the cover band. I'm yeah, like, yeah. The other year, we put the cover band before us. I'm like, well, this was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> now we got to play all my songs, which are fine, I guess. Yeah. But on New Year's Eve, you want to have you're in a different mindset. Right. It's like if
0: you play if, if you play a set of music and then a DJ comes on and you have to follow the DJ. It's oh, over.
1: And once the DJ goes on, it's over. Forget it. <laughs> we we our New Year's Eve events we used to do down in DC, we would schedule it so that we had Naughty by Nature, we had um, oh, wow. um Sugar Hill Gang. These guys went on after us because you can't go on after a rap act. No. We did. We they just, played they with just tear um, it down. Run DMC at Holy Cross one time, and they won before us. This was when they were all still alive. <laughs> it's like in the mid 90s. It is a photo I would pay $1,000 for. I, it exists. Me and those guys all backstage, like, oh, looking like, who doesn't belong here? Me. <laughs> yeah, clearly, me, <laughs> Pat McGee, and Run DMC. It didn't one make of any these sense. Things. <laughs> God, I wish I had that photo. And I just. I don't know. Maybe my old merch guy has it. I'm pretty sure he took it on an actual camera. That's incredible. But uh, we had to go on after them one time. We went on after like uh, uh uh what hello the Roots in Philadelphia before they were massive. Oh man! But that and it was in Philly. They're from there. We play <laughs> like the Villanova like home turf. Like who are the Roots? Who is this band? They got up there. I'm like they're freaking insane. <laughs> we got to follow these guys. This makes
0: no sense. It's incredible in Philly. That's nuts. Yeah. So, what, what has, um, you said you like doing a lot of events yeah. now, and you could see it like with the Down the Hatch and Ocean State of Mind mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Um, what made that switch? Is that something that you always did? Is that something like just part of the, what you want well, to do going forward? So,
1: I mean, as opposed we, to. We like, did the Horde tour stuff. back in the day with Blues Traveler, like when they first started it, it was this hippie festival kind of thing. Okay. They had multiple stages. um, And it had like, it was more than just a music festival. They had all the things going on. I was like, that is so, so cool. One day I want to do something like that. And then I remember sitting on like, I don't know. I don't know if it was Dave or we were sitting on the lawn for somebody somewhere. And I was like, we spent so much money tonight. This experience is like not great. Like Mm -hmm. there's for way less money. I think, I know people can be entertained, and and go away being like that was almost like a life changing experience, and I'm going to go back every time. Mm-hmm. So when we first started down the hatch, it was because we had these opening acts that were out on the road with us, that were getting seemingly no love, you know. Past opening for us, they go back to their small towns and play in bars or whatever, and they weren't getting anywhere. And I'm like, these acts are incredible. So I started yeah. doing it as basically. I'm going to bring out all these solo acoustic artists and they're going to, we started with like maybe three or four artists down in the Outer Banks and they would play all day. And basically I've, you know, my whole thing is down the hatch. No one plays at the same time as anybody else. Mm-hmm. So you don't ever have to get up and be like, Oh, I'm going to, you know, I I did cheese, 19 six man cruises, probably 13 rock boats. Yeah. Kayamo and all these other ones. And they're, they're fantastic. We've had time of our lives on those things, but I, I definitely feel like when I'm on those things like oh, I'm gonna see fifteen minutes of Will Hogue and then I'm gonna sprint down and then I want to see the end of Cowboy Mouth, and I really want to see this new act and wait, like, I might not see any of these new acts because I'm only gonna see who I know right and i'm I'm a musician, and I'm saying that for the most part, you know your average Joe is probably never gonna take the time to go to the like the weird lounge and watch the person set at ten a m yeah, yeah, so I'm like, I'm gonna make these people listen to these these other artists, so for the first 10 years, I never even put the schedule out. You never knew who was playing when. And people started complaining. <laughs> Dude, I want I wanted to go want get something to, to eat. Like, <laughs> when can I eat? Like, okay, well, let's just have more breaks. So we started putting more breaks in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't want anyone to be like, I'm not going to show up at 11. So I started being like, I'm going to do the first set on the beach at 10 a.m. You better be there. Yeah. Um, and then it just started morphing into like all the artists would you know, form other little bands while we're there. And we, as artists, you know, we don't get to hang with each other for more than maybe ever. You see the calendar, like, Oh, they were there last week. I'll leave them a bottle of, you know, send a bottle of beam to the dressing room for them or leave a, you know, whatever, a note for the band. But we pass like ships in the night, as they say, but this gives these artists a chance to all chill for four days together. Yeah. It's awesome. Chill on the beach. Uh, We do guitar lessons and workshops with fans. If they want to, Come down and like we have people show up with like poetry and like what can you do with this and we'll like write a song right there in the moment. That's the best. It's it's like that doesn't happen at a regular show and I I didn't know I didn't know it was like that. Yeah, it's really chill. Mm -hmm. It's real like, um, you know, and the stuff during the day is all on the beach where the where the artists set up in toes in the sand. There's no stage, and the attendees sit with their chairs facing the ocean. So we just rotate every. There's our every thirty minutes. There's another artist, but there's a thirty minute break. So if you want to get up, go in the ocean, go get a drink, um, restock your cooler, whatever. And then there's a break, and we play on the upper deck, which is like this killer. This is down in Kill Devil Hills at the Ramada Plaza, which okay, it's kind of the only game in town as far as that goes. Um,
0: Are there other people just like around, like on the beach while this is going on? Uh,
1: we rope it off, kind of. Okay, I mean. If you really wanted to crash it, that's kind of lame, but you could. But it's very clear because these, these, the down the hatch people, they want to set up their chairs. So they're, they're out there like eight in the morning, right? Putting their chairs out, putting their towels out. So there's a natural, you know, rainbow like amphitheater that sets up with all these chairs. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, uh, so it's kind of clear that, you know, this isn't, if you Stay if you're out there here. with your family and you get free entertainment all day, or maybe you don't want to hear that. You went down there to read a damn book, and you want to hear like <laughs> yeah. some dude t- and some artist tell a story about whatever. Yeah, you know, like you'll just scooch down further on the beach, I guess. But um, the beach is only one element of it. And then we set up in the ballroom at night with like an eight piece, ten piece band. We have awesome. two keyboard rigs, drums, percussion, six different guitar amps. It's like anybody who wants to play does this. So. Mm-hmm. And then I also make – we do a we do something called the Ballroom Blitz where a lot of artists don't bring their full bands. So like a Dan Mills would be like, we're going to learn your tune, yeah. and you're going to do one cover maybe. So we're going to nail those two tunes. And you just get up, and we're going to back you like we're the Paul Schaefer you know, band. Right, right. right. And it, that's really fun yeah. to learn other artists' tune because that's – I've never worked harder on songs than I have to learn – a Kellogg tune, a David Ryan Harris song. Mm-hmm. Sean Mullins, like I'm going to play that solo in, uh, what's his big hit, uh, uh lullaby. Or mm-hmm. People know it as rockabye. It's like there's a specific guitar solo. Like I'm going to learn it and I'm going to play it perfectly. Like it's not very hard, <laughs> but I just wanted I needed for my own. Like I need Sean to know that I I care. Like we we're talking about earlier. Like yeah. you better put in the time. And after. Like, the show was over. We sat down. He's like, I just want to thank you for, like, playing that guitar solo. That was, like, the highlight of Down the Hatch to me that I played, like, yeah, an eight-bar guitar solo correctly for Sean Mullins yeah. to make him feel like, dude, we got you on this. Yeah. Um Although after hearing David Ryan Harris with Scary Pockets, I'm like we're falling far short. <laughs> that like is, a is a badass, badass. show. And I, can't, I I bought tickets to Boston. He's coming to. He's coming to Boston in March. Uh, Paradise with Scary Pockets. Mm, that's awesome. Man. I can't wait to see that whole thing. He's, but um, uh, yeah, I watched. I
0: watched some some like Instagram video or YouTube video of him <clears throat> at the Troubadour playing playing with uh oh and John sl- came out and all that. Yeah, just yeah. A, a
1: slew Sick. of killers. You know. He's deserving of it. He's a ridiculous artist.
0: I mean, he's awesome. I got to see him play. Uh I played at Rockwood Stage 2 with with Dan uh, Mills back in the day and Yep. Um David was playing either right before. I think he was playing like right before us and I got to sit up on the balcony and just like watch right. him sing, you know. His
1: his voice is just uh, absurd, un- unreal. Not even real. He he was in a band called um Maybe it's brand new Immortals. Some some band in the nineties. They were out. They were booked by they were managed by the same guy who manages Metallica.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we had the same agent. So they sent this band out to open up for us in Charlotte. I knew nothing of them. They I just knew that the, the manager of Metallica needs a favor. I'm like, I love Metallica. So the answer is yes. I don't care what band this is. <laughs> yeah. So these dudes show up. They look like the Chili Peppers. <laughs> Ron Harris has a straight up Mohawk. <laughs> They are they all they really more looked so like living color. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were in like crazy like neon clothes mm-hmm. and badass musicians, and they were super cool to us. They opened the show. They had maybe no following. They were just playing to our like college crowd, mm-hmm. and they crushed. And he sang his ass off. But that was like power rock singing. Yeah, you can imagine he, he can do it all, right? Yeah, but the dude can sing any genre of music, and um, we had to go on after that. And then I later learned that that guitar player. Uh, his name is Escape Me Right Now, guitar player for Yacht Rock Review. He mm-hmm. was also in Butch Walker's band. I don't know if you know who Butch Walker is, but mm-hmm. big-time producer, Marvel's 3 guy. And it's just funny the, where people ended up in their career, and the right ones are still kicking ass. And even if yeah. David's kind of like, I'm no longer touring as a solo artist. Um, like, he's not? No. At he's, all? he's decided that he just doesn't want to do it anymore. Hmm. I think he would, look, a guy like him who's so incredible, and he's obviously in John Mayer's band, and he has that thing going on in his life, and I think he moved back to Atlanta from LA. And he, it's tough. It's it's like a Dan Mills, and it's, it's why I have down the hatch for those artists to come in and have three hundred people go. You're a god, like yeah. How are you not? Uh, I'm totally all in on your catalog. I'm now a super fan of yours. That's why I do these festivals so that I can see these. You know, I play less and less every year. Sometimes I have to remind myself like <clears throat> people do want to hear. My band for play, sure. and so I'll I'll usually put it early on in the night, so it's like you remember we played right. You're not you didn't have like eight my ties, and then <laughs> forgot that I did a set at midnight. <laughs> so we uh, we try and keep it um, focused on the on the artists that are coming, mm. and we really make it a. I want you to leave your fans of these bands. That's it, and we'll see you next year with a whole new slew of artists. That's it's the best. Tough, it's tough to to cut that back or, or, you know, so tell some artists you got to take a year off because otherwise I can't bring anyone new in. Right. So this year we have the most new artists ever, which I'm really, that, that just makes me so excited. It's like my set. Like now I know I got six or seven new artists coming. They've never experienced down the hatch. They're going to go down there and be like, Oh my God, this is like such a welcoming community. I'm going to do a totally different set than I, I had planned mm-hmm. or, or, oh, I don't have to wear my jeans and black t-shirt to the beach. I can actually perform in my bathing suit, and it's not uncool. Yeah. Like, yeah, you can you could go ride that boogie board and come out and play if you want. <laughs> People actually think that's cool. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's a unique thing. It's awesome. But I just – I dig – you asked about the festivals. I just – I like to keep it – keep my mind,
0: you know. Well, it seems like it t- – like – the difference between going out there playing a bunch of shows in a row, where you get in right. this like just kind of like, all right, yeah, what are we doing? The show seems like the the least important thing of the day at that point, rather right. than just getting to it, right? And and bringing everyone to one environment that has one collective right thing that they're doing, and yeah. and have them appreciate the full spectrum of the of these artists, totally. And, which is which I mean, is really
1: cool. Ultimately, I think I grew up in a house where like. My parents were big on sharing, mm-hmm. and so like, I this is really one giant share. I'm just sharing these artists with people. I'm sharing the beach, sharing my you know knowledge of like, hey, you have never been to the Outer Banks because most of the people that come there are from the Midwest, the West Coast, Texas. Like they're they come from all over the country, right? They're not like Virginia, North Carolina people. Yeah, people always ask me in the Outer Banks, how come you don't promote it here? I'm like. Because you already live here, you know how great this place is. It's yeah. like Ocean State of Mind that I do in Rhode Island in the fall. People ask me when I first moved here, is that is that part of the Hamptons? I'm like, seriously, you don't know Rhode Island's a state? Like that was a common question. <laughs> I know crazy. you grew up here, but people like I would say that to people like, yeah, they don't know. What do you mean? I'm like at first they're baffled that I'm, I don't live in Virginia anymore. Yeah, and then they're like, well, I don't understand. What's there? What is what is there? I'm like, well, mm-hmm. I started this event to show people how awesome Rhode Island is. And it's funny. Like you said, you've never been to Blaiswold, right? Yeah.
0: That was that was my first time. So My wife had been, but had never been inside, only did the gardens
1: around it. Yeah, I mean, if you're going mansion, you know, doing the mansion thing, you're probably going to go to the Breakers in Newport. And look, I've right. taken the crew to Breakers, and and uh, we did Castle Hill. I guess Castle Hill's not really a mansion, but it's a freaking sweet spot. Ro- Rose Cliff is cool. Yeah, so... Oh. Yeah, there's a lot of good ones. I like to take people... Rhode, the Rhode Island thing, which is called Ocean State of Mind. A few less artists, uh, but I try and keep it to really New England artists. So I'm showing Rhode Island and and then I grab some local talent from Bristol and mm. and Warren, and they're incredible, but they just don't have a full time musician job. Right. So I'm like, dude, put you if your mail shift, like one of them's my mailman, like the dude's freaking awesome. Like, and one of them's my milkman. This is like real th- stuff, real yeah. Rhode Island stuff. Like that dude crushes. Get up there and play a song. Watch my milkman's ridiculous. It's <laughs>
0: so I mean, it's just this state in general has has had so many great like musicians. It's very creative. Come man. out of it. Like my high school uh one of the guys like friends with like you have Dan and mm-hmm. have this dude Steve Aiello who plays bass in, in 30 Seconds to Mars. You have guys that play yeah. for you know, that were big in the, the punk, uh like indie rock scene and the Yeah, they do there's a dude that
1: is from um Sum Forty One lives in town. He came oh, to my really? tunes and tap show that I did with Dan. Really? He's the guitar player or the bassist from or is it Sum Forty One or it's not blank one eighty two, it's it's I think it's Sum Forty One. Okay. Interesting. He, he walked in, I was like, That guy looks familiar and it, he was with a fan of mine and, and she's like yeah, he's the guitar player for Some Forty One. That's like, so crazy. And he's, he's come to several shows since. That's awesome. And I'm looking at him like, "Do you dig this, or you, or you think this is too lame acoustic?" <laughs> he's like, "No, oh, it's awesome. You guys are great, and you know, professionals. So it's cool to be around it." That's I've funny. started this thing, Tunes and Taps, because my buddy owns the Guild Brewery, and uh, they're in Pawtucket, but they mm-hmm. opened one in Warren, and I'm like, I want to do this. I would just want to do more of those types of things where I'm showcasing other artists. So we had Brian Dunn come up from, mm-hmm. from New York. Uh, Ari Hest came down from the Cape. And uh, Dan Mills, um, me and Macaloon. And it's just like, I that could go all night. and But really, it's just like three or four songs a piece.
0: Okay. And Is it kind of like a songwriter in the round? Songwriter
1: in the round. And we go into like unique spaces. Okay. And now that I got a relationship at Blythewald, we can just go into the mansion and do it. That would be... I already used that event, that space for Ocean State of Mind. We end up there. We we hang out in the back lawn. We take over a mansion, which is a really unique experience. You're not going to, if you pay $12 to see the tour, you're not going to do what we're doing there. Right. So um, it's really fun. But uh, yeah, I just, I love touring. And look, we're going to be in Chicago in a few weeks. We're going to be in Denver. We're going to be in Florida at 38 Songwriter Festival mm-hmm. next weekend. Next weekend. So I still love to get out there and play to the to the people's. It's you know, but I don't. I used to tour three hundred days a year for ten years. It's crazy, and you know. Carbon Leaf did that. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad we don't. I, I don't really <laughs> want to do that anymore. I, I a, it sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> it's it was we were on we were on a bus and I was like, we on a bus for like five years and we did the van and trailer for five years and it was like, it's awesome, but. Like I said, I got four kids and I want to be around. And mm-hmm. I like the schedule we have now. I don't need to be, you know, I'd rather put my time into like crafting these other events and tour as much as I want. It's a fine balance of writing a new record every few years because I'm i never not going to write music because that's ultimately what I want to do in life is just mm-hmm. write songs. um, Host these festivals and tour. Those three things. And I'm good. You're doing it. I, I don't need to like, you know, I know so many artists. Are like, well, what's gonna get me to the next? I need another like comma in my salary. I'm like, I really don't. I don't care about that. I just if my kids can go to college and and I don't, haven't been evicted from my home and I can pay my power bill, I'm good. Yeah, I don't like. I'm never gonna be like. Really got to figure out how to get to the next tax bracket. Like, well, the thing I is, don't care.
0: It's. I'm learning more and more. It's about being like fulfilled. And mm-hmm. what in, in what you're doing, and and then you know, for for some people, right, for like investment bankers and stuff, right. the thing that fulfills them is just more, 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 more money, right? Like, and that is like the thing they chase, they chase after, right. it. And and what you know, people like you, like artists and and stuff, it, like their families, and like seeing them grow up, and like do doing cool things, right. and And that kind of thing, that's what
1: does it for them. Well, I'm super grateful that I've been, you know, I mean, we worked our tails off, but like, you know, this goes back to just me walking around my college with a backpack of CDs and skipping my exams and selling CDs, literally door to door. (laughs) And just, it, it was the funnest work ever. I never thought like, this is work. I'm like, yeah, this is the greatest thing ever. So like, somehow I've been able to do this for a living. I don't take it for granted. And I just I think it's like a responsibility to be like there's people that do things in the world. You can't you got to call a dude to fix your plumbing because I can't figure it out. Mm-hmm. I mean somehow Macklin knows everything. This is Patrick Macklin in my band, He puts his own <laughs> roof on his house and then and then solves some problem at some other job that he gets called in to do. Like, oh you know that too. Is there what don't you know how to do in life? Yeah, it's crazy. But like, you know. I know just a few things and I just, am mm, going to do those things. Mm-hmm. And I'm thankful that, you know, that, that is uh, the gift that I have. But like I said, I, I flew in a friend to uh, help me remodel a bathroom. All I did literally, I thought I was just going to hold his beer, but I learned a hell of a lot about remodeling a bathroom, which was yeah. like, and now I look at any construction of anything and I go, that is freaking unbelievable that they did that. <laughs> How did
0: they do that? I watch YouTube videos and romanticize about being able to do the things that they're doing. I'm like, yeah, oh, I could do that. And then totally like, do that. Think
1: about it like, I don't like getting dirty. <laughs> there was a moment where our bathroom looked like, like just Stonehenge had fallen. And it was like, I go, you have my family by the ball so much right now. If you yeah. got up and let, I'll pay you, I'll, you know, whatever you need to make that rubble into a yeah. finished situation. And I'm like, I never, you know, we don't have that, that uh, I don't know what the word would be for it, but like we're on stage. Yes, we're we're controlling the night, and sometimes it's you got a microphone in your hand, you can you got the power, right? Like, yeah, I could ruin someone's night or make it the best thing ever. Right, but like they're gonna get over it. Like if that dude bolted while my bathroom was <laughs> completely like I can't even use the bathroom here, dude. My bathroom's on my deck. Like for, for him, it's an empty canvas.
0: For you, it's like just right. a complete disaster. Yeah. For you, I, it's I'm calling a porta potty company. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I have I'm grateful for all these people's different talents, whether it's some dude making a bunch of money, you know, I just don't have that gene in me. Um, you know, I I don't chase that. You know, people have asked me, I've had people say, you know. Is why didn't you make it or something like that? Like I thought you were gonna be like the biggest thing ever. Like I saw you at the Electric Factory in Philly; it was two thousand people. Or you sold out Wolf Trap in D.C. How come you didn't keep going? Like I'm like, well, that's there's no answer to that. Like yeah, we signed to Warner Brothers, and we we swung for the fences, and they, you know, when you when you put your career in someone else's hands, all you can do is hope that the stars are gonna line, mm-hmm. you know. For us at Warner Brothers, I think ultimately uh, we were in the big pond and we were the tiny fish. And even though we were buddies with a lot of the bands on that label, they were bigger bands than us, you know? Yeah. Goo Goo Dolls were always the band that were in front of us to get the radio ad. If they went in the morning to the big radio station, they're not going to add Rebecca, they're going to add Iris Mm. um, or whatever the next single is. And so Warner Brothers, because we're in the same genre of music at the time, you know, we, but obviously there was a know, thing that got,
0: got you, get you guys to that point, like to just freaking and even being, to being yeah. in that position, yeah, and
1: that's why I'm able to do what I'm able to do now because right. all that all that we toured like work. maniacs and we played every college in the country that we could would open their doors to us, and I remember we did make a decision to be like no more fraternity parties, we're done, we're only going to play, like if we're in Philadelphia or we're in uh, Boston. No more, you know, We although I don't remember playing any like frat parties in Boston that didn't exist. Yeah. But they did exist in like the middle of Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Um, we're no longer doing those, even though the money's amazing. Let's not do that. We're a real band. Let's play at the TLA on South Street. Yeah. And we're going to make less money, but it's, it's what real bands do stop playing fraternity parties. Yeah. But the people that like you are going to buy a ticket. Yeah, they or or went come and, out. And, yeah. and we had a really long, fantastic run at that. Mm hmm. And I'm super grateful that that Pat McGee man early stuff is like the soundtrack to someone's like the time in their life when they had no bills, no worries, no kids, yeah. no just their one goal was music, going out and hanging out with their friends or yeah. meeting their wife or their or their husband. Or I still have a lot of people like, oh, I met whatever my, your song was at our wedding. You know, I've been flown in to sing, haven't seen for a while, at weddings, and mm-hmm. and that's incredible. I'm like. You know, yeah. So I'm grateful that we snuck in when music really mattered. Not sound like the old fart that's like music doesn't matter anymore to people. But I see how my kids consume music; it's totally different. Yeah. I asked him the other day. I'm like, other than Juliet, my youngest, who's a just music nerd, we have a thing called New Dog Old Tricks Radio where we share our music, her music, and my music. When there's a lot of crossover there. But my other two daughters, I'm like how much money have you guys spent on music in your life? They're like, what do you mean? Like, how, how many dollars have you put into your catalog? They're like, well, you we have the family Apple Music thing, so I guess not zero? Like, zero yeah. dollars. Yeah. Like, I would ride my bike. I would mow a lawn. I'd get 10 bucks. I'd get on my bike. I'd ride to Springfield Mall, which is, it'd be like me riding to Providence right now. Mm-hmm. Super dangerous. Mm-hmm. And I'd buy, like, the new U2 album. Or on cassette. Yeah. And I'd take it back home and I'd sit down and listen to it. And it. I'm so happy that I was still able, like, I was at
0: the very tail end of being able to do that. Like, right. going to Strawberries or going to Circuit City or right. whatever to go, or FYE to go buy right. an album. Like, I would wait for the. I was a, an embarrassingly big 311 fan in high school. It's like all. That's I, cool. It's like all I would listen to. Right. And uh, I would just wait for the album to come out, go on the first day and right. you know. And then when Limewire came out, I would down find all these like right. hidden demos that they had released for the new songs on the new album and hear these weird versions. Right. And then go out and buy the C D and then you hear what it became. That's cool. That that to me is like a really cool thing that I think something can be built around, like seeing the demos. Like I have a Patreon and you know, right, I've I've release some, some like previous versions of demos right. or like or, or backing tracks that I've recorded for a Carbon Leaf song or oh, something.
1: Oh, it's super cool. Yeah, it's cool. You just get like a in, in, little inside baseball, you know? I mean, I grew up a huge Who fan. I remember my brother had like, quote unquote, bootleg cassette that came from, it literally had like a Union Jack on it. Mm-hmm. It was all like, it looked like the actual cassette was purchased in London and somehow my brother had it. I don't know how he had this thing. Yeah. I later learned it was just a recording of the Smothers Brothers show, but I never <coughs> saw that. Mm-hmm. So, like, all you hear is them doing this interview and them talking about how they played My Generation, and then they actually play it. And then Keith Moon's, that's infamous one, where his he put dynamite in his kick drum, and it blew up and yeah. ruined Townsend's hearing. And you can hear the drum set. I'm not looking at it, so I can hear the kit exploding and being kicked off the stage. <laughs> I'm like, listen to this destruction that's going on. on the-. It's just madness. And I just have... You know, we were able to come up in '94 through 2000 when it was when music you you put it on before you went out, you listened to it while you are out. It was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I literally f- bought speakers for my daughters who are 21 and 20. They're like, "Well, we already have one of those little tiny clip speakers if we never need to listen to music, or we just use our phone." I'm like, "That's unacceptable." I'm sorry, <laughs> yeah. you need to. Th-, and they did write me and an, send me a text like. Actually, that Sonos speaker is pretty sweet. It does sound pretty awesome in my house off campus. I'm like, yeah, thank you. Just turn it up and enjoy music, please. Yeah. I just want you to enjoy music.
0: Yeah, um, I'm just imagining, uh, you know, future old people be like, I, I met your grandfather when Cardi <laughs> B's WAP came on, and, <laughs> and <laughs> I twerked the night away. <laughs> yeah,
1: what's our <laughs> song again, honey? Uh, What's that Tupac song that we, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Gangster's Paradise was mm-hmm. playing? And
1: yeah, it's, um uh, I'm very grateful for that. Now, you know, I have a, an attic full of compact discs if anyone's interested. Now I just hand them out at shows. Yeah. Cause it's like, if you have a CD player, I'm sorry your car's that old. Mine is too. Um, uh, stick this in there. <laughs> if it still works, I don't even know. Scott Terry from
0: uh, Red Wanting Blue, he, uh, He does the eight track, eight track thing where he has like an eight track player, and he used he was doing these series, the series of Instagram stories where he would like you know pan to the eight track player, put in whatever new one he got in, and play it. Right. Thought it was interesting. I'd never had an eight track player. I had
1: one, and I have a the the thing that got away is my we had my grandmother had a 1970 convertible Cadillac, which is like. It's the one thing that my father sold and didn't tell the family that he was getting rid of it. Yeah. It's on the cover of one of my records. Wow. we I have songs about this car. I don't know why he didn't say, Pat, do you want this beast, yeah. gas-guzzling monster? Yeah. I think I was on the road so heavy at the time that he got rid of it that it was like, yeah, I don't know where I'm going to put that. And mm-hmm. I think in my mind, I'm like, well, I'm doing pretty well, so I'll just buy one of my own. Like, But now... I just want to be. I want that car. If I could find the person that had it or the junkyard it's sitting in, I would resurrect that shit like American Pickers. Yeah. But
0: my, my dad was talking about baseball cards and how he would put them in the spokes of his bike. And he said I had a signed Roger Maris card. <laughs> I was like, of course he did. It's like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah. You could have. You could have changed our life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Right. You fool. This could um, all be different. <laughs> yeah. Oh god, that's hysterical. But yeah, it had an eight-track player. We used to stick it in you had to lift it up and shove it in there and, and then my brother had one and there are certain albums mm-hmm. that I know because the a track in the middle you have four different sections or four different you know whatever they call that you know a b c and d basically for sides and when you hit the button in the middle of one song i know i i can listen to sticks paradise theater or like pat benatar crimes of passion or mm-hmm. all these like certain records the kinks live album in the middle of a song, if I press the button, I know exactly what middle, what part of the other song it's going to. Like, oh. I, I still remember. Oh, interesting. Sitting in my basement because I'm like, oh, I don't like this part of that song, and you hit it, it doesn't jump to a new song. It just that portion of the next. It gets part of the, into wherever. Yeah. It doesn't start side B. It just goes to song two in the middle of the song. Right. So I have like flashbacks to that shit because oh, that's so, funny. My brother has that thing set up at his house.
0: Your, that they, remi- that they reminds sound me- awful, but <laughs> Yeah. That reminds me of uh of like if you're listening to an album, like you're so used to listening. We're so used to listening to full albums. Right. So you know what song is coming oh, next. Totally. So like as soon as the song ends, you start humming with the intro of whatever the next thing right. is before it happens. Oh sequencing was such a that art reminds form. That reminds me of like that doing that right kind of thing. Because whenever Whenever I'm in the car, like I sing at the top of my lungs. Whenever I'm in the car, with that, it doesn't matter who's in the car. <laughs> right, I love it. And uh, and I'll start singing the next song, and then Jen, Jen will be like, "What are you doing?" And then the song will start. Right, right. Because I was like, oh, I just, I just know this. You're outlet. Nostradamus
1: of the compact disc yeah, machine. That's right. I did um, this. Yeah, it's <laughs> uh, yeah. Back when sequencing was such, I mean, we would like painstakingly like, let's play the end of this song. What does this feel like when we go into this song? And I'll. I mean, I still, I'll do it on my next record, if whatever that record is. Um, I still think it matters. Like, I, It certainly I like, matters. Even like if it only it. matters for a handful of people, it matters. Right. You can't just, like, throw any old order in because it's just... Right. It's what you want it to be. It's the story you want to tell. And, you know, that's what the artist... It's like, oh, no, I put nine songs in G in a row. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's Whoops. A, that's never good. Yeah. Um, that Sometimes I do that for a set. I'm like, it's easy for the my muscle memory, but the band the, that's when someone goes every song sounds the same like yeah because they don't know that it's in the same key but they're like something needs a lift or right take it down right was there any point in your
0: career like doing the um all that touring when right. in, in the the younger days and whatever um where you were like really enjoy like what's the part where it you know, was there ever a part where it was working?
1: And they were like, oh, we're doing this. This is great. We can enjoy this, you know? I mean, it's hard not to say the first time you get your own bus and you're like, wow, we're not in the van. I mean, we had a near- That's a pretty good one. Near-death accident down in, um, we were f- driving overnight in, in Alabama to get to some big festival. And we did so many overnight drives to do gigs like that. We'd, we'd be like, oh, what is it, 10 hours. We got to play at 2 in the afternoon. Well, if we finish at 11, yeah, we can do that. Mm. And we didn't care. Um I mean, hats off to my merch guy, my road manager, my monitor guy. We had four crew guys at all times. Mm-hmm. So we were young and like those guys were just like, "Sure. Let's all go on the road." Six guys, it was 10 guys right from the get-go. It wasn't like, "Oh, I have my six guys in the band. We all have to do everything." Like I had crew right away. That's insane. Cuz dudes were like I don't have a job. I'll roll around with you. It was like Adam Sandler's crew kind of thing, where they're like they have the same guys with them all the time, and so yeah, we were all living off of nothing. Um, they, I I actually rented a band house in Richmond. Four dudes in the band live, uh, crew guys all lived in this house, which is like I just paid the rent on it, yeah, and gave them you know a little bit of a salary, and they're like fine by us. We're on the road all the time. We don't really need much, right? So we we had this overnight drive where the the bus. Or the the we had a uh, you know, fifteen passenger van and then a trailer the size of a freaking NASCAR, like mm-hmm. it, we could put our our van in the damn trailer, it was that huge because we were carrying around B three and wow. percussion rigs and drums and all that. So we basically went um there was a car broken down in the middle of the road at like six in the morning. We are all this fog came over the hill. We were asleep. You'd sleep on the floor bench, floor bench. So like super dangerous. Yeah. Your face is next to like a steel, the, the, you know, the seat, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, contraption. So we've had many times where like someone hits the brakes and we're like, Oh my God, we're going to die. And it, you know, yeah. and those were never the moments this time when the, when that happened, eerie silence in the vehicle like no one said anything i'll never forget it and the van and trailer starts just 360 across the wet grass to the other side of the highway it's the trailer snapped off swung around and slammed into the side of our van i mean i can't believe we didn't all die like this thing was like we got out we were all shaken we all like called our parents we were like in tears going okay we make enough money we need a bus. We, this shit is, we cannot do this anymore. Yeah. These overnight drives are insane. Yeah. So I'll never forget being, I feel like we were in Chicago. We were playing House of Blues and the bus for some, for whatever reason was picking us up there. Maybe it was coming from another tour or whatever. But I remember looking at my hotel room and I was, my road manager had got, flew to Nashville, got on the bus and rode it with it up. So he's like on the phone with me and he's like, I'm taking a turn on to Randolph. Can you see the bus? And I saw the thing coming in. I'm like, holy crap, look yes. at that That's our bus. This is awesome. So we lived on that bus for probably, I don't know, five or six years. That's awesome. We would lease it out to like Howie Day was on it for a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, somebody else took it out for, I don't know. It was just that moment when you could finish a gig, come off stage, go onto the bus, and there's like hot pizza sitting there waiting for you. And- a drink and you're like, and I can go climb in my bunk and watch TV. This is it. There's no better life than this. Mm -hmm. This is the greatest. We had a sold out show. I can't imagine it it compounding, you know, any higher than this. Yeah. So, but I, you know, I'm about to turn 50 in a week. So like, I think about that now, it doesn't sound as awesome. I'd rather take my family onto a tour bus and go on like a weekend. Right. But, um, you Know, I could see doing like a two week run uh, that would be fun, but I don't want to go out for days upon you know, weeks upon weeks and months, and months. right? Right? Um, I don't know, it's uh, it, w- it was a time in, in our lives when we were in our 20s, yeah. And it's then like priorities change and all that, stuff. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I'm actually working on an event that's exciting, we're going to bring in tour buses for it and give people. Like maybe some—it's almost like fantasy camp a little bit. Okay. And do like a sort of like a songwriter thing, but incorporate some bus life, and mm-hmm. it sounds like it could be awesome. It sounds pretty awesome. I mean, <laughs> just like go out on the road. But kinda? are you at the early early stages of planning this? Or yeah, or? It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Early stages, but it's with me. Everything goes like and oh. on sale. Yeah. Uh, so I'm excited about it. We're, awesome. we're working on all kinds of things, but
0: who are some of the people uh, playing playing in uh, Down the Hatch this year? This year
1: um, coming up, so Fantastic Cat is that's we usually don't have bands, mm-hmm. um, but because those guys are awesome, mm-hmm. um, I don't. You've probably had some of those guys in the show. Yeah, I had Brian. I had Brian. All right, Brian so the, the other guys in the band are awesome songwriters. If you don't know, who Fantastic Cat is, you should check them out. That record is. Awesome, the very best of Fantastic Cat, and we got to play with them a month ago. The great, the show is so entertaining. It's it's ridiculous. It's like it's a whole. It's almost like folk kiss or something. Yeah, folk rock kiss. It's they just they become different people. It's the best because
0: you you know them all individually as like you know their their own artists and whatever. But like when they put on those suits, they just transform Mm -hmm. into this goofy, but like the goofy Beatles, like right, they're they're but the so they're so killer. good, and the music's killer, right? Like they they become in these different characters, right? And and they just put on such a great show. And I feel like the characters take all this pressure off them to be like right. these you know poignant songwriters, right? So they're just out there having a great time, yeah. And they have the this amazing songwriting yeah. sensibility from from. All of them, and, and it just like right. you know, it's this magic thing. Yeah, they and lean I, on each
1: other, they're able to just <clears throat> have it's all about the fun and the music. It's not about them like furthering their career for yeah. what, how I'm going to perform this next tune, like right. And you take all that out of it, then all of a sudden, oh, bam, like that, you know, they sold out Bowery and they, yeah, they're doing great things, and you know, great, but uh, yeah, so fantastic cat, and which is crazy because. I get fantastic cat. Then I get four songwriters who are going to do their own solo sets down there, which is great. So it's Mm kind of like you get five artists: the band and four solo guys. Um, And let's see here. God, I got to look at my flyer. A guy named Dan Byrne, who I perform with at Thirty Eight Songwriter Fest, which is down in Destin, Florida. Okay, be there next week. Cool. I don't know if you're hip to that thing, but it's I'm not. It's awesome. Like last year, Black Crows, uh, Dawes. Um, the Beach Boy or uh, Brian Wilson was there. Um, this is John next. This is next week. John Prine, right before he er, passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, this is next week in Destin, okay. Florida. It's super awesome. There's 150 artists. They basically take a 30 mile stretch of Florida, this really swanky part of Florida, the Panhandle, mm-hmm. and they'll turn any venue, a, 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 a freaking mm-hmm. almost like a gas station, to like an arena. Your the your set could be at 10 a.m. at a smoothie bar, and it's not lame. It is like they put a tent on the side of it. They have seating. It, all the shows are packed, and yeah. you do a an in the round with someone you met in the like. I, I said hello to this guy, and then we perform in front of people. No, you know, previous relationship. That's awesome. And every time that happens, it's like just magic yeah. because we don't know each other's music. We don't even, you know, Dan was actually late. I started without him, and he comes running up on stage with his harmonica around his neck. And the crazy thing about Dan Byrne, it's uh, B-E-R-N. He's, I think he lives out in San Diego, maybe. He travels around in his van with his dog, and he's like this, I didn't know that he was super into sports because Mm -hmm. the next thing I hear is like, I get a call from uh some friends of mine in DC, they're like, so you were on the um, Tony Kornheiser podcast this morning. I'm like, how's that possible? They're like, oh, because Dan Byrne is like a correspondent. He's a baseball freak. And so they, he's been calling in from the road. Hey man, I'm in uh, St. Louis tonight and whoever's playing or go to the double A, triple A leagues and talks about all kinds of baseball stuff. That's awesome. And he's like a correspondent. That's like, organically happened. And I didn't know any of this. So his fan, he has fans. It's my dream. His fans are straight up (laughs) sports fans that are now huge fans of his music. (laughs) That's incredible. So they go to his shows and then they're like, and he got to play with Pat McGee. Now Tony Kornheiser's DC guy. Mm -hmm. And he's like, we know Pat McGee. Oh, he's a great artist from DC. And this Kornheiser podcast plays like three or four songs in their entirety at the end of the podcast. Really? And You got to check it out, man. That's awesome. awesome. It's a great podcast. So, they talk sports. He talks all kinds of stuff that he wouldn't ever say on ESPN. It's really right. like kind of out there. Um, they talk about, it's not all sports, like they talk about life stuff. And yeah, but they always cut to Dan. And then, um, so then the, literally it's maybe the fastest thing that's ever happened in the music business where something was like, yeah, we should do that. It was the next podcast. They're like, do you want to do it tomorrow? I'm Like I just wrote to Kornheiser's website. I'm like, Hey man, thanks for mentioning my band. That's cool. Uh, yeah, I love, you know, blah, blah, blah. I live up in New England now. They're like, the producer calls and says, hey, man, you want to be on the show tomorrow? I'm like, yeah. You want? Is it taped? Yeah, but we're going to air it tomorrow. I'm like, okay. Like, what? He's like, send me your songs. <laughs> send me your entire record. So they do this whole thing. It was like, nothing has ever happened that quickly. That's so cool. That's like, That's the maybe best. next season we'll put you on, and then they forget. It never happens. Yeah. So hats off to those guys. So Dan Byrne is coming, and he's super cool. Um, let's see who else is coming to that thing. Um, Todd Carey is an artist I met on the Sail Across the Sun cruise with Train. Yep. And we have a love of Grateful Dead music, which is crazy because he does like borderline pop closer to what Train does. Todd Carey played
0: the, um, the, it was right before the, the only Sail Across the Sun cruise that I did. Okay, and it was at the New Orleans House of Blues.
1: Oh, we, we played together.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did he, we all? Did Carl Leaf play that night? No, it was, it was Kellogg. Oh, it was Kellogg. It was Kellogg. Right, right, right.
1: Yeah, Todd went on. Yep, yep. But I'm just remembering that Todd was there that yep. night. Yep, mm-hmm. and he has. I mean, he's done an amazing job with the Sail Across the Sun fan base. Like they've mm-hmm. like brought him in as like you know their thing, one so. of their own. Oh yeah, big time. So he's coming, and we're going to do some dead stuff at like midnight every night. Nice, which is like just funny that his fans are probably like, "Wait, what? You like the Grateful Dead?" Mm -hmm. He's a really good guitar player, and um, so we're going to do some stuff that you wouldn't normally associate with what he does. Yeah, Um, he rolls around with his drummer, so they do this like duo thing. Yeah, Um, I'm embarrassed to say I don't have the flyer in front of me, and it's year thirteen, so the artists keep changing. Uh, Laura Cigaris, she's an artist from. Um, Northern Virginia, she's fantastic. She's just... I really try and bring in some people that no one's ever heard of. Yeah. Um, Like in the bigger, grander national touring scheme. Yeah. Um, There's some... I think... uh, So Jason Adamo is an artist from North Carolina that Keaton Simons turned me on to. Keaton Simons is one of these guys that I've... I've almost taken him off the bill because he'll probably show up anyway. He's he's out with... um, Brett Young, the country guy, yeah, yeah, and now Tony Lucas in Brett Young's band too, and those guys both play down. Tony Lucas in Brett Young's band, yeah, he took the gig like just as a side thing. Interesting. So I don't know if it's a permanent thing, but he's he definitely did a tour um, recently. So it's funny that those two guys are playing together again because they're old buddies, Keaton and Tony. That's cool. So they'll, you know, Keaton just like flew in and and just showed up. I snuck him up through like a back elevator, and he like got up on stage, and everyone lost their mind (laughs) because he's one of the early guys that does. Down the hatch, and he's just never doesn't put his guitar down. Uh, Adam Ezra Group are coming, right? Yeah, um, and I don't know, it's just a bunch of killer artists that, that's awesome. That are, you know, it's one of these things where you kind of can go down there and be like, I just want to hear some new music and experience something different and sit, yeah. and I like the beach, yeah, so like. It's low effort. You just sit on your beach chair, and then you go back to your hotel room. Is right there. Yeah. You can go take a nap. You can show up at the ballroom at night. We do headphone disco, which, as you know, is madness. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, we have it's a the theme best. night, which normally sounds lame, but these themes have gotten really outrageous. Like people like <laughs> they go full on into these. things. People like them. I feel like people like them. Oh man, the older you get, I think people are just like, yeah, I want to act like an idiot. I mean, I've twice come home with a full on mohawk, like shaved down, <laughs> like uh, what's the taxi driver De Niro. my family the first time i i left it and came home with it and said i'm rocking this for a couple weeks and my kids were like you cannot pick us up at school looking like that (laughs) i felt like the road warrior i was like this is badass like now i'm obligated to pick you up yeah this is is so like no one else no dad at school has this of course mohawks now everyone seems to like little kids have them yeah um but you know when i was a kid like the dude who skied had the, had the spiky mohawk and then maybe like somebody in the sex pistols but yeah. you didn't know anyone and that, that had mohawk now you got the faux hawks and all the other things the second time i did it um i shaved my head on the side of 95 in connecticut because i couldn't come home with it my wife's like it looks like there's a squirrel on your head like don't please don't come home with that and then i i literally looked like a convict i had, i was driving a white rental van like uh, like a like a, a kid abduction vehicle, just white, no windows. Yeah. And I'm on the side of the road, happen shaving wearing, my head. going like, to be wearing a jumpsuit. Uh, yeah, yeah, just uh, wearing orange, a jumpsuit. jumpsuit. It says free candy on the side. <laughs> and I'm, and I couldn't see, and I had my crappy electric razor, and I'm trying to shave my head. Like, this dude is clearly trying to just change his look <laughs> on the side of the highway. <laughs> whoop, whoop, outside of McDonald's. <laughs>
0: like, I got him, I'm
1: like, how's this? Like, like, you know, when the kid Grinch shaved himself wrong, it was like, I looked awful, and (laughs) yeah, like I was gonna be put in the electric chair. That's it was a bad look. (laughs) That's the best. Anyway, people go full on into these themes, maybe not as hardcore as I I, I've done, but we had Saturday Night Live last year, which was really fun. What do people do for Saturday Night Live? Oh, dude, any any character that ever existed. Gotcha. There was a lot of like, uh, what, uh, Mary Catherine, the cheerleader superstar, superstar uh did anyone dress of,
0: up like chris kattan when he was like the the monkey guy oh when oh, he, would, yeah. he would eat the apple that would have been a fast. good one
1: we were sprockets as a band mm-hmm. i don't know if you remember that but dita and so sprockets. we had this, we had the song on the on a uh, touchpad and macklin every time he hit it we had to like do the ridiculous dance he would do it like in the middle of a song <laughs> and We were like wearing the glasses and the slick back hair uh oh, that's great there was a lot of chris farley's there a lot of uh there was a lot of dick in a box going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people had boxes around their crotches. Some people had to leave. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was. Uh, there were some really good ones, man. And it, you know, there's some gumbies or some old school ones. And yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a fun one. Buckwheat. This year, what did I say? Oh, it's it's Elton John. It's an Elton John theme, but we're going to play all his tunes. Nice. We're going to do a full on set where all the artists get to do Elton John tunes. We're going to back it. And there's so many different looks for him. That's fun. I had like m- top three concerts ever seeing him at Gillette last summer. Really? really? And I'm still like high that, from it.
0: Was that the farewell? The farewell yeah.
1: concert? And yeah. you know, I was bummed. I never got to see that. It's I, it's, I haven't seen McCartney. I haven't seen the Rolling Stones. I'm kind of embarrassed to say that, but I, it's one of those things where I'm like, I kind of know what that show is. I've seen so many videos of what they are. Mm hmm. I would like to see them. They haven't announced they're like never going to do it again. So maybe I'll I'll go do that. But McCartney's awesome live. Oh, ridiculous! The band's badass. And yeah. that's what my takeaway from Elton's thing is. Like his original drummer was there. They had three drummers. Really, two drum kits and a percussion rig. The Damn. dude, uh, famous guy, bald, looks like Phil Collins with a circular glasses. Played congas and percussion for like. He's really energetic. He's maybe one of the most famous percussionists yeah. that's ever been in rock. Like. He played, when I first saw him, he was with uh, Eric Clapton and then Sting. Interesting. I can't I forget the dude's name, but when you look him up, you're like, oh, that guy. <laughs> it's not
0: Lenny. I feel like Lenny Castro is the guy, but I think that's the guy that played with Mayer.
1: I don't know. If it, no, not Lenny Castro. But um, I can't remember. I, anyway, I don't know. when you see this dude, you'll know. But the show itself was so freaking inspiring and awesome that I'm like, this would be, and there's, I'd, forgot that people go to Elton sh- shows in all of his costumes. There's so oh. many costumes like the duck, the Dodgers thing, the glitter, the feathers, like all this crazy flamboyant stuff. The Dodgers one. That would be a good one. There was a lot of them there. That'd be a good there one. It was, uh, there's a lot more than you think. Cause he had so many different looks. Um, so it's just going to be fun. And even if you don't go full on, you just put on some crazy ass glasses. I'm trying to think of it. There's, uh, I saw Billy Joel at Fenway oh, uh, nice.
0: this year. It was, uh, uh, me and Genevieve's or Genevieve and my first time out without Ethan. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. And it was like, oh my god, this is crazy. This feels so weird. It's a different experience. Yeah, right? it
1: was awesome. It was
0: so cool. That that was a great, great show. That was a really, really great show. And I never thought I would like him.
1: Yeah, I've live seen him. He's as, he's freaking entertaining as hell. He's he he really cares about entertaining people. Yeah, and the songs are freaking phenomenal.
0: And then he has like a. Like, the sax player or something sings a bunch of songs, too. And yeah. And like,
1: he's, like... He's a good dude. Crushes. Yeah. So good. He came to, like, our show at Maxwell's one time. And it was, like, a huge deal for us. We're, like, Michael Geegan, our sax player, who's here and there. Not always with us, but sometimes. Yeah. He's busier these days with all kinds of artists. But um, he knows all these people. And he's, like, Billy Joel's sax player's coming to the show. And I'm, like, that's freaking awesome. Like, cool. Um, Yeah. Anyway. But, uh, yeah. Uh, it was inspiring enough that I said, that would be a cool theme. Um, and it'll be, and it's nice to be able to tie, you know, we did performances of SNL. So like if there was ever a kick-ass, you know, not that you're totally going to remember it. Yeah. You know, Paul Simon singing, uh, uh, Homer bound in a, in a chicken costume. (laughs) Like there's kind of random things that happened on SNL, but like we did Elvis Costello. Yeah. Um, yeah. We played a Tom Petty when Dave Grohl played drums for him for like it was it um, you wreck me or something like that. But we had. A lot Anyone of dress up like Sinead O'Connor and rip up a picture rip, of the Pope or something. Rip a Pope? Yeah, rip a Bible in half. Um, that would have been pretty solid. Maybe maybe <laughs> offensive, but uh, someone that's like really committed. Yeah, <laughs> like, we'll bring that back this year and be like, oh, remember when Elton John dressed up as Sinead O'Connor and, <laughs> and ripped up the yeah uh, <laughs> yeah was, yeah we it's been. It's been fun to do that. Uh, it's taken on a life of its own, but
0: it's awesome. Anyway. Any New Year's resolutions, like new things going forward that you want to change uh, <sighs> with with music, new things you want to try?
1: Um, anything new? You know, let's see here. I just wanted this next record to be... Uh, I got to get down to finish writing it, but I also, in a dream world, I'd be able to go into a studio with a band and do like what Derek and the Dominos did with Layla mm-hmm. and play for a couple of weeks and just record that. I've never really done that where if anything, the two records ago that I did with all those legendary players out in LA, they taught me like the, the first take second take is the take. They didn't even listen to the music before I got there. I sent them all these demos. They admittedly said we didn't listen to any of it. Yeah. Uh, I'm referring to like, I I did a record with these uh, guys who did all the '70s singer songwriter records: Carol King and Jackson Brown, James Taylor. The same four guys did all those records. Um, Linda Ronstadt and um, it's like that crew. You ever see the Wrecking Crew? Yeah, Yeah, same story, but the LA version of that. Yeah. So um, I'm hoping to connect with them because they're going to be playing with Lyle Lovett at 30A. Cool. So they're going to come over to the set and do like a tune. Nice. Russ Kunkel on drums. Um, Leland Sklar on bass, Wadi Wachtel on guitar, and but we would do it live in the moment, and I'm like, well, that's the take, and I never heard what the song sounded like until that moment. I'm not a demo guy. Like mm-hmm. my version of a demo is my iPhone, and it usually has a video because if I don't record the video of how I played the song, I will. I can't just listen to it and go, oh, that's what I did there, because I don't even know what chords I'm playing half mm-hmm. the time. So I usually videotape everything. Um, so. And I I want to get back into the jam band thing where I end up every time on stage anyway. Mm-hmm. I like to extend every song. I've always wanted to, you know, I know you're like, when does the song end? Like I like creating a going somewhere and then eventually ending it. But yeah, I like to keep things fresh and I want to do that with a record. I've yeah. never really done it to the point where I'm like, you know what? I just want it to sound like someone press record on a on a rehearsal. Yeah. And there's songs there for sure, but there's definitely Maybe bring in some of the relationships I've had, whether it's O'Teal on bass, or um, bring in some jam drummers. I- I'd like to do a record with two drum kits and percussion, because nice. that's literally how I like. That's Almond Brothers. Almonds was my license plate in high school. Like, <laughs> I, I'm surprised I don't have a mushroom tattoo on my body. <laughs> but uh, I was obsessed, and when we got to tour with those guys. I'll show you in the basement. My my mother stole the banner out front of Nissan Pavilion. Mm-hmm. My my mother, who does never committed a crime in her life, somehow got the you know cojones to go out there and cut down a banner that says Almond Brothers and Pat McGee Band.
0: That's incredible. And it's
1: hanging on in my basement, much to my uh, wife's dismay. But uh, <laughs> she's like, "Really, you're going to put that thing on the wall?" I'm like, "No, it's on the ceiling. It's even cooler." <laughs> it's like i hope no one sees that but i like i hope everybody sees it it's like <laughs> you're lucky it's, like, it's on the outside of my house you're lucky it's in the basement <laughs> yeah it could be on the outside of the house <laughs> yeah i mean it was a you know legendary moment for me but i love that sound of like all that syncopation and mm-hmm. i love paul simons music i love you know santana i know i'm not going to be like pat mcgee and his latin record like it's not going to be that but like i just like you know the groovier side of stuff that has like that that kind of feel yeah and i want to incorporate major drum situation with killer guitar playing and and but it always has to have a song like you said like with the dead where's the song like there's yeah. got to be a song I, i'm not just going to be like let's jam on this e minor for a little bit like nah i don't want to do that it's, diff- anyone it's different anyone can do that it's different when you're like in it and doing it it's fun
0: but right. like yeah there's got to be it's got to be like something there right like, the, yeah you know.
1: a lot of jam bands i'm turned off by that seem to just like make it crazy music just to be because they they can do it So like let's make it super weird right and i know that's you know music is you know anyone can like anything they love but you know that makes them you know feel good but like that stuff makes me a little crazy yeah i need to hear a melody um and i think that's ultimately you know, when you hear things about John Mayer, where he's like, "Well, I got all these melodies in my head. There's no way I'm never going to give up doing that." Yeah, he's always going to go back to that because they're just the dude. Just you know, every melody that comes out of him, it seems like, well, there's another hook. There's a hook. Yeah, that's a song. So when he brings that into the guitar playing, yeah, that's where it's like, that's where it be. It 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 appeals to so many people. Right. I I do love that he's bringing that the to people that maybe wouldn't have maybe cared about Steve Ray Vaughn, mm-hmm. you know, they'd be like, I don't know if that's too much guitar for me. Like, yeah, well the John Mayer version of that is as melody to it. And then you're like,
0: okay. I'm yeah. In. Um, well he always describes it as like playing lyrically, you know, right. Playing as if like how you try to play the guitar as as if a singer was singing something. Yeah. Know? That's why I love like, Derek Trucks went and saw him. Oh my god,
1: Tedeschi Trucks at the Wilbur last weekend or last month rather.
0: His his keyboard player oh. uh, Gabe Dixon ridiculous. He uh, he does his his own thing. I know he's an I, artist. I didn't
1: realize he was in the band when I got there. I was like, Gabe's playing for him. This is awesome. Okay, sang his butt off.
0: Yeah, he played he played our our Outer Banks thing. Yeah, um, this, he's pe- phenomenal. this past year and he was incredible. He sat in with us and played played. Um, uh, played a tune and and just monster lit, lit it
1: up. Yeah, it was awesome. He's a badass. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna bring in some elements to this record that are gonna maybe be more of a nod. You know, and we had Warren Haynes on the Shine record, and I still to this day I'm like, why did I listen to Warner Brothers and let them turn him down in the mix, like mm-hmm. as opposed to feature him? Like, yeah. When I tell people he played slide on these four songs, they're like, he did, like, yeah. Yeah, he he did, and it was like unbelievable that he did that for me. But I'm sure when I sent it to him, he's like, "Oh, you could have got anybody to do that. <laughs> you buried me in the mix." Yeah, and like I can't believe that I let the mixer and the mastering guy and the and A and R guy, the you know, claims he's an audiophile and he knows how records need to be mixed to be Thinks that they know better. I'm you like, know, really, it's like no because one really knows. Guitar solos were a thing like in the in the '80s and '90s and '60s and '70s, but
0: yeah. You know,
1: and when you hear some of those recordings, like they're
0: sticking out like a sore thumb, you know, oh, and yeah. that's, and that's why they're
1: good. Right. That's You're, why people still arrogant. Gu- that's why air guitar exists. I
0: wish people turned Robbie Robertson down a little
1: bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's that for sure. <laughs> you know. There are those moments, but it's like, <laughs> that's not the norm. No, no, no. It's like, uh, it was a big part of the music and I want that to be a big part of it. And I think that's. You know, it's, it's important for me when I, when I hand over my record to someone and be like, check this out. I want them to be like, oh, dude, this is like something different. Or this is like, you went in this direction. The last record we did was, was a reunion album called Sugar Packet. Mm -hmm. We got the original band back together. We went back to the same studio that we cut the first two records in the nineties at. And since our drummer passed away in 2006, we, he was the only one, obviously not there and we used Matt who was his his only student. Mm. Chris only taught one kid and he, I met Chu when he was 11, Matt Chu as we call him Chu. Um he was 11 years old. He came to the Outer Banks and like hung out at Soundcheck I'm like who is this kid? He's like I teach this kid drums. That's I'm awesome. Like, oh, that's cool. And then we just have kept up over the years and he's you know he's he's our go-to guy if he's available. He lives in Delaware. He's got a lot of stuff going on, but um He's the guy that knows our catalog front to back because yeah. it's it's the music he learned. Right, and he plays a lot like C Dub did. So, and That's he plays so cool. his kit. I have one of his kits down there, and he bought the other kit. And uh, so, when we went in for Sugar Packet, in the back of our mind, we're like, we never made a record with you. What's the drums? What's it going to be like? And we didn't rehearse because I was like, I don't want to rehearse. We don't <laughs> rehearse. Let's just these are the songs. You guys know your know the chord changes. And I'll just play them. And, and if anything, Chu was the shining dude on the record. He absolutely destroyed it in the studio. We all were like, we did one song. We're like, all right, clearly we need to step it up because he's <laughs> taking this shit so seriously. Yeah. As you should, you're recording, but he's totally crushing it. And we're sort of like just casually being what we what we do, which yeah. can sometimes look like we don't care. But um, That must have been a cool experience. Oh my God, it was awesome. It was amazing. Um, if you believe in this kind of thing, there was a moment uh, where Chardy had set up his percussion. What was formerly the old drum room at the studio, mm-hmm. the studio has gotten bigger, so Chardy had all his percussion in this isolation booth on the second floor of the studio, so he could look down on us. And um, there was a. F- it's all. It also doubles as the kitchen. There's like a full-on nice kitchen in there with like a fridge and everything. Mm-hmm. So the end of the first take and you know you finish a take and you never you don't move for a solid ten seconds let things sizzle out and have there be dead air and then they could be like all right we stopped the stop the tape so you don't move and this massive crashing sound sounded like Chardy kicked over his entire kit <laughs> and we couldn't see him we just have the cans on. We're like <laughs> what was that dude? He's like oh nothing. Just the refrigerator flying open and a can of Coke, like, hand on my heart, <laughs> flies across the rooms, hits the wall, sprays Coke all over <laughs> the freaking room. He's like, he was like, oh, C-Dub's here, guys. He just <laughs> yeah. threw a fucking can of Coke at me, <laughs> which is the kind of shit he would do. Yeah, yeah Chris yeah. was an absolute maniac with that, that stuff. The best guy in the world, but he would he would do some crazy stuff. Yeah, And those two had a thing because they were just the two crazy drummers. He's like, guys, I think Chris is here. The fridge flew open on its own. And now we got to clean up this entire area because nope. it's covered in Coke. And then we went on with our thing. We're like, I guess this is a good sign. And now cause... I just hear laughing. Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy, man. It was, but it was a great experience. That's that, super cool. That Sugar Packet record, it, you know, our only goal was to just go in and be us. And we hadn't done that since the Shine album that we did in 99. So like almost 20 years later, we're back in the same studio and it sounds like you press play on Shine Part Two to me, yeah. and I don't know that a lot of people out there, you know, heard it. But if you're out there, and you want to listen to Pat McGee Band 2.0. It's the Sugar Packet record is. I'm really proud of some of the songs on there. I feel like the songwriting is deeper than it was on Shine. Even though, like I said, we talked earlier, like, well, the Shine record maybe it sold four hundred thousand copies, so it was like it reached a lot more people, right? And it and it was the sound that people associated <clears> with our band and is literally a timestamp on their life. Like this is when I did this or I was in college or I, I'm in grad school and this is all I listen to all day, every day. Um, so people just don't have the time anymore to be like, I'm going to spend this much time with this music. Yeah. So I hope that it eventually gets to people's ears and they're like, this is a good record. I'll I'll add it to my deck mix on my, on my Spotify playlist or my Sonos thing or whatever. How no. people listen to their music but um you know i will say that is a very long-winded answer to your what are your goals for next year but <laughs> make a new album and make it feel like it's gonna be a nod to more of what i grew up on i, I think as we get older it's like i just want to go back to where we started a little bit and yeah. make it really hear that acoustic guitar and and be very strict about not doing really a whole lot of overdubs. Yeah. Live and vibey. We were certainly guilty of like, Hey, um, let's fill in this little space. Cause like, I need editing. Like I need editing in life. I need editing Mm -hmm. as you can tell, and running my mouth forever. But like, it's great. I need editing. Like if I, I'm the cook in this family. So like, I'm always putting out food and, I'll add too many ingredients to something just cuz it doesn't say I should, but I'm gonna do it anyway. <laughs> I want to see what paprika tastes like in this thing. <laughs> it's happening. I don't know what what is this? Is this spice? What is this? Where did this come from? I think I bought this in Ethiopia. I'm gonna put it in there. <laughs> uh, and uh so like I that happens at down the hatch, I create too many sets. I, like I commit to too many things.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm the overcommitting. So, part of my goals this year is to learn how to say no to stuff. Take time for myself so that the things that i am doing i'm just instead of doing everything at 45% efficiency <laughs> let's get up to like the 80% for yeah. my stuff yeah um, because i'm certainly guilty of just like starting a million different things yeah uh, and i'd rather and you know i'm learning that it doesn't offend people if you're like you know what i can't that's a no for me i can't do that yeah cuz i'll say yes to everything i'll just be like yeah i need
0: i need some of the opposite I'm right. always like super self-conscious. I w- about putting myself out there right. too much. And I'm just like, I just got to do it. No <laughs> hell yeah, you got to
1: do it. It's gonna, it's gonna regret it. Speaking of which, I got to come to one of these gigs years.
0: Yeah, where, where you do you play down there? Uh, I, I there's a couple of spots up in Boston that oh, okay. that will book me and stuff. I play covers. I I play some original stuff too. But nothing around here.
1: Nothing down in that world. I I haven't like found anything that I, I'm really like. I don't know that scene at all. Mm. Yeah, I need to be connected with more people around here because I'm. Back in the early days, when I would come off the road, the last thing I'm doing is going out. I'd yeah. only be home for like four days. Yeah, I'm not gonna be like, "Hey, nice to nice to meet you. I'm your dad. I'm gonna <laughs> go to a bar and watch some other band play. Yeah, like I would never leave. So, and that that sort of translated to like, all right, my adult life where I'm like, the only time we're really going out is to see like huge shows. Yeah, um, I'm the same. but I'm the same way. Yeah, I'd like to as my kids go off to college and i'm about to send one more next year so I saw three kids in college which is insane damn so please buy a cd um <laughs> or two yeah. uh thousand um i just yeah i i'll have more time to go do stuff like that yeah um were but, you ta- were you traveling a bunch when you had, when your kids were young like what was that um like? not as i mean 94 through 2002 was like really hardcore traveling mm-hmm. um it got a little lighter Two to like, I always timestamp things with like. Well, when did Chris die? Chris died in September two thousand six, but it's um, it's really, I don't know. It just um. Well, it technically died in October, but it felt like the last time we played together was September, which is when we shot our DVD. Mm. Which I'm so grateful we have a DVD called Vintage Stages. So, so he passed away right after that happened. Yeah, and I, he never got to see it, which is a real bummer because. We actually had like, do you want to see these clips? Should we approve this stuff? He's like, no, nah, no, nah, I'll see it when it's done. Mm. And you know, he didn't. We, I'm just so thankful that we have that because we were so terrible at pressing record on any show with video. Like, yeah, we have a lot of random bootleg audio out there, but it would have been nice to have a a ton of video. Um, yeah, of us playing. There's a little bit out there. We played Wolf Trap seven times. I I have like maybe one guy from another company that I don't think I ever even got the clips press record once three times. We've set the camera up and we had too many things going on. We just forgot to press record. (laughs) So like, we don't have any of these moments where we played and like carbon leaf was with us on one of those shows. Um, they're all up in my brain, but I, I would have been nice to be like, knock on wood, 80 years old and press play. Like, look at this. Yeah. And I'm there seeing like, uh, well, who would be, it'd be like Brandi Carlisle's final tour. She's 72. And like I used to play here too. Check yeah. it out. Um, but to have that DVD of Chris and and um but you know that's that's kind of the time when we led up touring crazy. So like to be home with the kids was, you know, um a more of a priority as I got older. Mm-hmm. And um and then with Jack, when I got remarried, we have Jack who's now nine. Mm-hmm. Who I took to a PC basketball game until midnight last night. <laughs> good or bad parenting, I don't know. I think it's good. It's I solid. mean, thank God for when they played Taylor Swift's um, uh, You Belong to Me, maybe is the name of the song, but it's become their thing there. Really? They blast it, and the college kids sing it like they're going to die, and it's the last song <laughs> they ever get to sing. The, the whole place sings it. It's hysterical. That's I'll awesome. show you a video of it, man. Uh, yeah, it's it's weird that they they took that as their... Big moment song, you know. It's great. It gets the, the all the PC, the used to be called the dunk. Now it's the amp. It's called the AMP now? Amica um, Mika Mutual Pavilion. I'll always call it the, the Civic the Center. The Civic Center. Yeah, you're from here. <laughs> so Civic Center. Uh um, we call it the Dunk. The I thought I was cool calling it the Dunk. Yeah. But um so anyway, uh So your son's your son Jack is nine. He's nine. So I I My nephew's nine. My wife went back to work, you know, as uh, what, six weeks after he's born. So that was stay at home, dad, like full on, all day, every day, mm-hmm. different lifestyle, which I, than I ever had before. And I, and so that, that essentially ended my, like, that turned me into the weekend warrior touring because I can't leave. I got to be back yeah. on Monday morning. My wife goes to work. Right. I got to be here to care for my, you know, 11 week old child, you know. So yeah. I did a ton of writing back then. And I think that's, I don't know if that's why Jack is my the one kid who's like obsessed with music, plays drums, plays keys, makes his own electronic music, can get around GarageBand better than I can. Wow. Like he's got a, a focused right in his room with a mic and like a full system in there that that's he awesome. just does his own thing. And um because I literally would put him in essentially like a beanbag and I would write songs cuz back the beauty of when a kid can't even leave the room, right? You know, they just can't get away. I remember oh, yeah. that. <laughs> then you're on like suicide watch when they actually start walking around. I know. <laughs> like, you're like, oh my god, where do they go? And I like my house has all got all kinds of different rooms. I'm like, you know, it's not. It doesn't have the open concept. or like, I love when you see these HGTV people. Like, well, I need my kitchen so I can watch my kids. I'm like, you know, they're not going to need you to stare at them for the rest of your life. Yeah, it, that goes, that goes by so quickly. It goes by so quick, and then they want to get away from you, so they're going to want those walls back up. So So
0: I remember the pediatrician sitting, like I went to take Ethan to one of his doctor's appointments. It was right when he was starting to become very mobile. He's like, all right. So he gave me like the speech. Yeah. Like, so this is when you cannot take your eye off him. Right. (laughs) I'm like, no problem. Right. (laughs)
1: Yeah. It is something else. It's so scary. I have, and I, it is scary. And the fourth kid for me, I was, it was kind of the best of both worlds. It wasn't like, I didn't have that like super nervous Parenting situation because I had right. th- three others, but it was my first boy and my first, like, s- you know, stay at home situation. So there is not a zoo or a park that that kid hasn't been to about 15 times because yeah. in Rhode Island, everything's pretty close. Yeah. I mean, I used to take his ass to museums. Just you need someplace to go. Mm-hmm. Like I just couldn't, I was not a guy that sat around the house and like put on the freaking prices right. Like, yeah, I either wrote songs because. He's sleeping and I could just chill, or I would constantly take him places with his my sister in law. We would be like, "Do you want to go to the Providence Zoo again? (laughs) Let's see if they still have the polar bear exhibit." Yeah, yeah. It's sad that I know most of those animals' names. I've been there so many
0: times. (laughs) (laughs) We we did the zoo a couple times last year, but I feel like this this year now he's he's two and a half. Um, well, yeah, he'll be he'll be three in April, but uh, it it'll this year, I feel like I'm going to do a lot more. Like oh first, yeah, first baseball game. You know, oh yeah, take them to a Providence Bruins. Well,
1: my advice Never. is to not do anything too crazy expensive because my all three girls have been to Disney World twice. They have zero recollection of it. <laughs> Even when they watch the videos, I'm like, "You're five, six years old." The oldest, I'm like, "You don't remember that." That's what I like, say to my. That's what I say to my brother. Like
0: my brother and his wife, they took their kids to Disney when they were so like. You want to, as a parent, you're like, to, they're going to love it. And they do love the it in the
1: moment. They're loving it.
0: That's the thing. You think you're supposed to do that. I think. totally. And then, I mean, my parents never, like, we never, I never went to Disney until like my high school girlfriend
1: and right. her family. Well, you got to mortgage your, your house Disney. to pay tickets to get it's in there now. It's crazy. It's ridiculous. It's insane. And it's, it. they do a damn good job down there of providing endless entertainment. So it's right. worth it. And if you can fork over 10 grand to go to Disney, Ugh. but, uh, nuts. My, yeah, it's my advice to parents out there. Like, wait till you think they're going to remember because I cannot believe they don't remember it. Like, I took them to New York City, not... In my mind, it was three years ago. Maybe it was six years ago.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know if my kids are, like, doing crazy drugs. Why don't they remember anything? I'm like, remember when I dragged you around New York City? Like, we did yeah. everything quick, quick. Like, I had a show, I think maybe City Winery, and I I did, like, the speed, like, you know, this is where Home Alone was shot. This is yeah. where This, this is... This is central park where elf threw the snowballs. Like we went to all these spots and they are probably like, you know, I took them down to where the towers were and, and they're like, we don't remember, kind of (laughs) remember like, okay, when are are you guys going to start remembering what I'm doing? So,
0: um, (laughs) I watched a great Instagram reel of like this comedian guy, uh, saying, you know, kids memories. And you know, it's him asking Mm -hmm. the kid like, Hey, remember when I, I, I told you to, Brush your teeth like thirty six seconds goes. So, oh, I don't remember that. And right. then, and then flash forward to the kid coming into the bedroom, being like, "Hey, remember um, three weeks ago when you said that I could have five dollars for this thing, <laughs> and then I did that, and then uh, you said this had to come out of that five dollars, and then you still owe me three twenty five, and I'm, I want to, and you said two weeks ago that I that you would take me to the mall. Oh yeah,
1: one hundred percent.
0: He's cashing in on everything. <laughs> oh yeah, it's I great. mean."
1: Look, I you know now with you know having a nine year old with uh, the way he's growing up with the internet as opposed to the way my twenty one year old grew up with sort of almost not really access to that because yeah iPads and phones weren't a thing for kids back in the early two thousands right now it's like every kid's got a phone and I don't even know why they need it if they have an iPad already like what's the difference right. who, are you, gonna, who are you calling right people don't call anyone anyway anymore it's all texting so um you know uh but yeah it's uh it would be nice on a you know goals of this year is also a goal of like I'm going to have a senior in college a senior in high school I need that to my daughters are on the rowing team at URI so I'll be going to a lot of regattas which is like cool. I look at her rowing schedule and I just plan my touring around it I mm-hmm. I just send it to my agent I'm like She's she's rowing in Philly on this date. She's rowing in uh Saratoga Springs. Like, book book that room. What was the name of that room? Yeah. Put me in there. I haven't been there in five years. He's like, like, Really? I'm like, yep, I don't care if twelve people show up. Yeah. It gives me a reason to like to I can write off that hotel room
0: yeah, <laughs> and exactly. go to my daughter's regatta. Um never forget that class. It was like <laughs> my my uh uh taxation class. It was like, listen, right if you're going, if you're going on a trip to to London, play Play a gig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do one yeah. anywhere. Yeah,
1: exactly. That's, yeah, I do it all the time. Right off the whole thing. Right. It's great. Um, I have done that many a time. Yep. Yeah. So if you have any friends out there in the IRS, just be, be kind to us musicians. We're just trying to get by. Just, just leave us alone. Please. Yeah, leave us alone. Go after the big fish. Yeah. Because you ain't getting anything out of us. Yeah. And if you do, it's not a lot. It's not a lot. We're not Willie Nelson. We don't have that kind of coin. I mean, look... Being like it goes back to being like I get to do this for a living, so I just want to keep doing it. I feel like I bring something to unique to people's lives, and I just want to keep doing that. I, I mean, love the
0: event stuff;
1: I really do. I, I like
0: I, it reminds me of like kind of how people pivoted in the in the pandemic of creating these communities, right? Like these small, not not necessarily only small, but like people like getting together and having a thing. Like I did a live stream every Wednesday called over the hump. Right. I thought I was wearing a sweatshirt, but, um, and it was just like the same group of people and there was inside jokes and it was was really, really fun. Love it. And, um, and I think what you do with, with these events kind of brings that same like community, like people
1: talk about it and they, they they're in on
0: something. Yeah. I mean, they're they're a part of something.
1: Cool. it's a family thing and it that has or like being on year 13 or down the hatch it, it does between 200 and 300 people and I'd say 150 of them are the same yeah and they just have all made lifelong relationships and it, which is kind of rare to be mm-hmm. as you get in your 30s 40s 50s you're like I made all these new friends and this is I'm gonna know these people till I die like yeah they're all and they live all over the country and they keep up because obviously you can these days I had someone write to me the other day, like, "Listen, this girl can't afford to go to Down the Hatch, and she really she's got a lot going on in her life. This, that, and this and that." And I, I don't think two seconds. I'm like, "Give me her email, send her a free ticket." Like, she's been to other events. She's a great person. I, she should be there. Yeah, because this thing brings her a ton of happiness. And you know, one ticket, like, you want to come to this? I know it's an expensive, uh, you know, thing for some people. So. It, that community like they need her to be there and she needs them yeah And i like that i like that and that's more important. i've created this thing that means a lot to people um and that was not i didn't know that that was going to happen i just wanted them to like the artists that i was bringing there yeah i didn't know that they would like each other yeah and now they're all buds and i did see that stuff on the rock boat train Cruise. they got all these you know carbon leaves the fans are like that oh Leaf fans are like all it's they the have best. their whole world i noticed that with adam measures fans mm-hmm. i mean they're all just buds yep i mean not to sound it sounds cocky but i've never been to a show in new england where so many people are like i've never heard of you i'm like yeah oh you guys are like in your own world so much with adam right that and i think it's fantastic guster was that way mm-hmm. their fan base is just like all in on guster um it's, I, I love Guster. Oh, they're, they're fantastic. They're
0: actually my first concert. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. And I, I was like, I don't remember how old I was, um, but it was at Pack, And I'll never forget. Um, at
1: Pack. wow. Okay, so they were doing pretty well at that point. Oh, yeah. That's
0: awesome. Yeah, they were, I think they were, I, I don't know what record it was. Right. But, you know, my uh, my sister was a big fan. They're and fantastic. They're great. And It was the first time I'd seen like a drummer of a band like that that uh, yeah. only played hand drums and, and that was maniac. Yeah, it's like
1: was so it? cool. Those guys are. Um, we've known each other since the since mid nineties. We they would come down and play in Virginia. We'd go and play with them. We did shows all over the place. And they're another band that puts out a record. You're like, what's this going to sound like? Mm-hmm. And it's always killer. The writing is killer. They nobody sounds like them, yeah, and it's kind of hard to do that these days to be like, when you hear it, you know, right away, this is a Guster tune. I mean, I feel like Dawes kind of has that now, like, yeah, uh, yeah. whereas, like, you hear it, you're like, that's definitely Dawes, yeah, or you know, obviously, Dave Matthews has it because of the sound of the band, sound of his voice, yeah, um, and they're just like larger than life, you right? Know? Who
0: doesn't know Dave Matthews, right?
1: But you might hear a track and be like, that's totally them, yeah, um, so. You know, I'm looking forward to this weekend, next weekend, down at uh, 30A, because you leave these songwriter things, mm-hmm. and they have this killer host, they host this amazing party the night before where all the artists go, and it's just a really chill event. I mean, if I had unlimited budget, that's what I would do for Down the Hatches. host this, like, they fill up canoes with oysters and, like, damn king crab legs, and, like, it's crazy nice, and yeah. it's just all for the artists. We all get to hang with each other and shoot the, the shit, and... And, and then make plans with each I mean, I'll probably book two more artists out of this weekend for Down the Hatch. It's awesome. Whoever they pair me with, it's always somebody awesome. Yeah. And I wanna bring that into my world. And, you know, I love that. I love the unknown. It's like, you know, as a drummer, you need to know what the hell's going on. I actually like not knowing what's going on, <laughs> it's like kind of fun. Um, but, uh, you know, I guess it would stress me out if I was like, I've been asked to go out with other bands before and I'm like, I don't know if I can handle that. Like really I would be terrified. I'd have the fear that like sometimes when I hire a bass player, there's never played with me before. They're like, which song is this? Like if they don't know the whole catalog or which yeah. I don't expect them to. It's yeah. not like you're playing with like the stones. Like, Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah I <know> that song.
0: <laughs> but there's, you know, as a guy that does that a lot, you right. have, you have to like, it's just, it's part of it. You know, yeah. I, I had i i I'm sure I've told this story before, but um, the first time I played with with Kellogg was was a disaster. So oh, really? I um, I mean, it wasn't like a complete disaster, but like <laughs> if you're a dude that like got hired to do a gig that you know for someone that you didn't really know that well, could have been that bad. He had, he had you back. Who's well? Oh, well. <laughs> I was like Stephen ain't gonna stand
1: for that. No he, no, he didn't. No, he didn't.
0: So he, um, and this is, and this is like, this is a great story. So sure. he, he, uh, he had me play this gig with him. It was me, Cookie and, and him in, um, I think it was some, I think it might've been Pittsburgh or or someplace in Pennsylvania, but, um, he had me come out and I, to, to give you a little bit of a backstory, I was full time bartending. Right. You know, I had, I, my band that I was in that it was like diehard gung ho, like had broken up. I wasn't playing a ton. Right. Um, I was playing with Dan. That was my biggest okay. gig. That was like my only main kind of focus at the time. So I was doing that. Steven saw me play with Dan and he asked me to do, to do a gig with him. You know, it was essentially a gig that could have also worked as a uh, as like an audition, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever, because he he was still playing with boots and everything, um, doing tours. But after the gig, you know, there was some maybe entrances I miss and and, okay. and and whatever. Like you know, he I wasn't playing to the point where he could really feel confident and comfortable, right, in front of the stage to just do his thing and not have to like telegraph everything, sure, or whatever, yeah and me being naive young whatever you know just looked at it I was like oh man that could have been better but he was like you know he was bummed yeah he's like dude <laughs> he's like, what happened up there bro <laughs> you yeah. know understandably so and and um you know he sent me uh he sent me an, an email that had you seen many Kellogg
1: shows prior to that did you know no. his deal no cuz yeah you know, he could be didn't all really, the, I he didn't can be know. all over the map
0: yeah i didn't know i didn't know him at all um, and he, you know, it was a lot of material to, yeah, to learn in for the short, sure. and it was like, you know, first time I had, I had really had to do that. Right. Um, but long story short, like that was the longest ride home. Like for me, I was so, I was so bummed out and, um, I took that kind of as an opportunity because like, I knew he wasn't going to call me for another gig. Right. It was, a, it was a one-off gig. It was a one-off gig. Oh. So there was nothing on the books. And I was like, there is not going to be anything on the books (laughs) after this. I was so, I was so pissed. I was mad at myself. Right. You know, uh, part of me, like, you know, the the ego, part of me, I was like, I was pissed at just the situation and everything. But, um, so I basically just like got home and I was like, all right, what am I, what am I going to do here? Like, am I going to be a bartender? I'm going to be a musician. What year is this? This was, um, oh, man, that's a good question. I don't know. It was probably 2013, 2014. Okay. Um, so it was when Stephen was, like, ramping up. He had just uh, come out. I, it was after, like, he came out with Thanksgiving. And so it, it could okay. be even further after that. I don't sure. really remember. Um, but I was like, am I going to be a musician? Am I going to be yeah. or, or a bartender? What, what's it going to be? Right. I was like, I, I just, you know, I don't know if I can do oh. this. Glad because when you're, when you're like the part of a, a collective band and that just goes away, right. it's just the balloon is just completely deflated. Sure. Um, so I had said, I'm going to do this and I called them up and, uh, I can't remember the exact situation of why we would have rehearsed for something else, mm-hmm. um, I think maybe there was another one-off or something. Maybe one other opportunity right. that that was on the books from before. So I I booked a rehearsal room and I was there every single day and I and I got the songs like mm-hmm. you know back to front and whatever. But could, could play them backwards. I was like, all right, I'm coming over on this day. I basically demanded another chance. Oh, oh to Steven? Yeah, yeah. I basically like said I I can't like leave it. You know how it right. was. So I went to his house. And, you know, I don't know what, if he was expecting that, but we played together and you know, it was completely different. Right. It was like me trying 100% and actually like doing my best and whatever. Um, and regrettably I didn't do it from the start, but. He gave me another chance and then, and then right. we played together for for a few years after that. Right. Which was awesome. I feel like I maybe ran into you in
1: his basement one time. Yeah, because we were borrowing a whirler, Your whirler, Right.
0: And then you you had brought it back. And that's, that's gotcha. the first time I met you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. Those are good times. I mean, that story it like started that got me to like know, like, oh, this is like Yeah. This, this is like the livelihood of someone and they're not fucking around. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, yeah. And and you have to go and put this is 100 thing. Yeah, you have to put 100% forward because it matters so much to the fans that they're trying to connect with. The last thing you want to worry about is is if are the people behind me like going right. to do I have to worry about the people behind me?
1: Like that's the last thing right, you need yeah, to worry exactly. about. Right, exactly. That's tr- a good way to look at it. Well, you're a fantastic up. drummer, dude. Thank you. So you really you really must have I don't know what I, I mean. I, I I get when that can be, uh, you know. You, I'm, you had the skills already when you played the first time. I'm sure, and you just probably were like, "Well, I was just a different guy. I just was like different mindset. Like, okay, yeah, let's let's tighten things down. Yeah, um, tighten them down. So then you can loosen them back up, and yeah. it's fine. It's <laughs> like someone it's like someone getting a bad grade and being like, "Oh, oh, hey, come yeah, on. yeah, yeah. What the hell? What are you doing? Yeah, <laughs> like I got this ca- bad grades and just bolted out of college, but yeah, it's like but you <laughs> like, knew. Yeah, like, I,
0: if you wanted to do it, you're capable.
1: Yeah. Like, you know, you you have
0: the capability, but it's right. a matter of taking the raw talent and and right. and working on it to a point where you can do stuff and yeah. And, you know, and then the other side of it doing my own solo gigs and playing a lot of I play a lot of guitar now too is just learning about the dynamics and where you want things to go and, and, right. and how to play just
1: on that side of it, you know, doing a lot of singing and, you know, which I've always done. But like, that's why I said to you after this gig, I was like, yeah, it, it it, it makes such a difference to play with a drummer that actually plays guitar and sings hmm. because they totally get the song they're in it the, for the song. And then you know that I'm going to like go off a little bit of the, you know, the other day when you're like, what happened at bookends? I'm like, Oh, I just kept going. Don't, yeah, I should have should have told you, but you know, Dustin has the same Dustin on bass is Like uh, it's just what he does. Like you got to like roll with this guy. He's, but it's cool. It's have you ever different. seen Bruce Hornsby live? No, it's worth checking out. His bands ridiculous. Really, absolutely. It's like Steely Dan meets Billy Joel, but a little smarter music. Maybe, mm-hmm. um, yeah, his band's absolutely. The drummer's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Like rid- top level, but he does constantly things where he stands up. The, he's like virtuoso guitar or a piano player. He, he can like, I mean, his fingers are just ridiculous. I don't think his class, he's got all this classical upbringing, so he can really just crush the piano. Yeah. And he'll stand up and just put arms folded and just start pointing to band members. <laughs> Cause I knew his guitar player for a long time. I know his guitar player now, but the guy I knew was a guy who produced my records, um, who was playing with Bruce. And he's like, and then you watch the band; they just stare at him the entire show because they have no idea he might just change the time signature like in the middle of the song. And then he'll point and he'll walk off stage and be like, "Guys, go!" Not because he needs to take a leak, just because he wants to hear his band like tear it up. Yeah, and it is, you know, that's why he was brought into the Grateful Dead because Hornsby's really just a jam dude who is a killer piano player. So you go see his show, and it's it's all over the map. It is not like, oh, you're gonna hear. You know, the way it is and the way it he the way he plays the way it is is not like what the record sounds like. Yeah. So he'll get up and play a freaking accordion on top of his grand piano and he, the guy's like six foot seven at to begin with. So he's just like <laughs> it's like what is happening? Holy huge human. Um, but uh yeah, he he, he definitely takes his band for they're on a short leash. Yeah. So yeah. that they can run free when they want to. And then right. it's like, <laughs> all right, we're back in the song. Right, and I've changed keys. Did you hear that? And I'm now back to the original key. Yeah. Like, oh, by the way, I could. I'm not. I'm not a virtuoso to, to do that kind of shit. Yeah. If I do that, it's by mistake. Um. I just imagine, you
0: know, dudes like that. It's so hard. It's it's hard to find a find a crew to play with that that can like just be on the level, be on your level. Yeah. And just be able to kind of go with
1: it. It's it's just a whole. Well, it's a luxury. I mean, look, I feel weird fortunate thing. to play with you and to play with Dustin and Patrick McLean, who's my sidekick there who's lives here in Rhode Island who I met, you know, when our kids were going into kindergarten. Um, he's a fantastic artist, but he's, he's able to roll with it. And I don't think I knew for like the first five years he was in the band and he was like, not, he never said like, man, you're what you do stresses me out. It wasn't that he was just like, <laughs> he did such a good job of hiding his like, Dude, I've never played with anyone that like goes all over the map like you do. Like yeah. it's such a freaking roller coaster. That's great. And it's fun. But he's right in on all those harmonies. Even if I'm like six feet from the mic, he knows I'm gonna get back there. Mm-hmm. And he's it's like, how are you connected to me like this? This is awesome. Oh, that's great. So um I feel fortunate to play with people like that. Yeah. Cause not to say it's a bummer to not play with people like that, but when you do, you're like, oh, that's yeah. probably like where Steven was for that one moment, like, oh shit. I know that you have this, but it wasn't there. that. And yeah. I'm glad that you went back. That says a lot about you. And it says a lot about him to be give you another shot. Yeah, no, it was great. Because he's just like, cool. I know Steven real well, and he's he's hardcore about his the way it's coming out on mm-hmm. stage. So it's, and I don't think he knows until it happens, but then when he has it, it's just like, this is what I, I need right now. And I need yeah. it to always be this yeah. until it's something else. Yeah, it's yeah. cool. It taught, it taught me a lot about like, you
0: know, like having the signature parts of tunes and having people the, the familiar things come in, and right? Like you people, just can't. People expect it. It's like you can't miss those things. Like those those things have to be there, or right. or we're not doing the, our job the right way, right? Which is which is cool. It's yeah,
1: cool. yeah. I gotta see. So when when is Carbon Leaf coming to New England? Because I want to come. I want to go to a show. Um, probably not
0: till like the fall or something. Yeah, probably not till towards the end of next
1: year. Or I'm trying to put year. together something where we could all play at um, that India Point thing. That would be... Wouldn't that be awesome? So awesome. I'm trying to get... I, I know the promoter, and I'm trying to put together a little, like, sort of like a down-the-hatch one-day thing there. And... I, I would have you to. You know? I, I mean... That's a great spot. Yeah. I've seen a few shows out there. Can it, can it happen? Yeah. yeah I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm pushing hard for it. Maybe get alternate roots up. Maybe Steven, Carver yeah. Leaf. It'd be awesome. I think it'd be really fun to put a bunch of bands like-minded, like a mini festival for the day. They did something like that with like all the Virginia based
0: bands, like all the old school Vir- Virginia bands uh, pretty recently. I cannot remember any of the band names because I'm not. You, you guys familiar. were there? No, we weren't, we weren't there, but they did it with like a bunch, bunch huh. of groups down there, something along. Was it in Richmond? Lines. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, I'll have to find out who, what bands they were, but it was right. the same kind of thing. It was like an era of music, all
1: these bands that. Yeah, that's my thing. It's like get this era together. Yeah, yeah. Virginia Coalition, maybe. Yeah. Um, some some bands that are like we all sort of toured at the same time. I mean, Guster would be great, but Guster could probably crush that thing on their own. Yeah. So we've but, been
0: looking for an opportunity to play, like, to do a Rhode Island. Rhode
1: Island's tough, man. And I live. It here, is tough. It's not like what it. I used to play Lupo's, and we'd put 900 people in there. Mm-hmm. And then we moved to the Strand, and if you did 600 people in the Strand, it doesn't look so good. Yeah. So now it's like, I don't know if my fans want to roll out to the Met. Uh, any like uh right. I don't think that that's, that's their thing. So I have been doing these things where I'm like, I'm going to rent out this mansion or rent out this restaurant. I'm going to sell... 150 tickets, let it sell out, and it'll just be those people coming to see me do my thing. And it's not as public of a show because it usually sells out quick and it's a smaller ticket. Yeah. Um. But I don't know. It'd be nice to do something larger scale. How many people? It's been forever since we've done that. What's the cap or how many people are at, at, oh, at uh, India?
0: India I mean,
1: I would imagine it's probably a couple thousand.
0: Yeah, probably. If not
1: three, maybe. Mm. I mean... I've seen. I saw Brothers Osborne there. I um, saw somebody. Else, I saw Michael Franti there. Oh, really? It was a great show. He's the best. I've never, I've never been there. I used to live. I used to live in. Uh, oh, you haven't seen a show there in yet? Fox
0: Point? I used to live in Fox Point. And, oh, okay. And I could hear the music. Yeah. From from there, and it was like, I was like, oh, we should go there, but just ne- I never, never ended up going there.
1: Dude, it's killer. They just. I mean, it's not a the grounds are just, the grounds is just dirt and like some gravel. Yeah. And they need to work on their like catering, but they now they have a much better situation where you just go up to a cooler and you walk out. It's kind of like what they have at, at the Dunk now where you're like kind of in a convenience store. Okay. And you just walk out with your card and you just pay. Oh. You don't have to wait in these giant beer lines anymore. That's cool. Um, now, if you want a hot dog, it's going to, it might take about an hour. It's a whole but, other thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Show up with a gagger in your pocket. Yeah. But, uh, it's uh yeah, no, but it's a it's a because it's just so conveniently located. Yeah, no, you and know, it, Providence needs something like that. There was a rumor that they were going to put an amphitheater downtown. Mm-hmm. Uh, Corin, who manages Dave Matthews, was like looking at doing this, mm-hmm. and I was like, I could work there. Like maybe I would like bail on music for a while and work run an amphitheater. That's kind of fun, but then it didn't happen. So I'm like, okay, well, yeah. I'm retracting that that part of my life. Like and they could I mean, they should just turn the
0: the skating rink into it used to be a venue. Oh. They used to have shows there. Oh, really? Yeah, I remember I saw um It'd be great. I saw Everclear there. Oh, really? And it was horrible.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, we played with Everclear a couple times. <laughs> I think they're they're legendarily uh, Yeah, they just have a sound that's not yeah. the same as the record. Right, exactly. <laughs> nice it, dudes
0: though but leave it there <laughs> um but anyway they they used to have stuff there like you just cover up the rank and and make stands or
1: seats or whatever you got to do and <sighs> they need to have more of that stuff that'd man. be cool
0: and they had the the they used to have the 95.5 wbru uh concert series right on, on the lawn right across the street from uh um uh the
1: mall oh. so there's like oh a, yeah yeah big, I, I played there one time Okay, I did play there one time. Right that in that mall a lot. That grass plot right down from the Capitol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yep.
0: I saw um, the man that does semi charm kind of life.
1: Third Eye Blind. Yeah, saw them there. Which we have some stories of those guys too. Really? Oh God, yeah. Legendary stories of craziness. Really, Stevens. Stevens. uh, He's made a career at not talking trash. Just like. He just has rubbed people the wrong way in yeah. various places of his career, mm-hmm. uh, and we've we experienced it firsthand mm. several times. <laughs> I'm not. The, I'm like the 50th person to say that. Yeah, yeah anyone yeah. that's ever like played with the band, and we love that record so much. Like that when that record it's came so out, it had good, like right? so many freaking hits on it. Yeah, so in great writing, but yeah, we had some moments. Mm-hmm. I won't get into it on this podcast. It's a whole other podcast. <laughs> Talking trash, Talkin Pat G- McGee. Yeah.
0: Um, no, but I mean, there's there's great opportunity. It's just a, it's a strange state because it, it you know the state kind of has like a stranglehold on like what the things that happen and right. stuff, and they don't just let the artist run free, just let things happen. Right. Which, which well, I think would be. Let's cool. work
1: on getting that thing together. Even that if would like- be that. It's just kind of a no-brainer. Like saying, just saying it out loud, got me excited about. Yeah, it. man, it's really like it could be. You know, it might not make anybody rich, but mm-hmm. it'd be a really awesome show, and it'd, it'd yeah, be great be right. to play in front of a bunch of people mm-hmm. um, that normally probably don't. Maybe I didn't know you guys were still playing. Right. Like I, I'd hear that. We'd probably all hear that from the various fan bases. They're like, yeah, you can come see us in Boston or like in a pair. Providence. Often gets jumped over, as you know. Right. You, you grew up here, you probably like were like nobody stabs in Providence. Well, everyone always asked me, like, Oh, weren't you guys playing
0: around here? I was like, Well, <laughs> around here means Boston. Yeah. Or, exactly. You know,
1: New York. Right. So. And then Rhode Islanders, they don't want to go anywhere. I exactly. learned that. Like oh. people were just were like, Yeah. When I asked my mailman to sing the national anthem with me at Fenway Park, he admittedly, as a Red Sox fanatic, had never been there in his life. That's and he loves the Red Sox and he pitched in like college. And he had never
0: been to Fenway Park and he lives in Rhode Island. That is outrageous. Outrageous.
1: And so the first time he went there was to sing the national anthem with me. Wow. And he was just like, you got to be kidding me. I'm not go. I can't go up there. I- why would I go there? I can't, I can't like almost like an anxiety thing. Like I don't leave Rhode Island. Why would I go there? Where do you park? <laughs> <laughs> like, don't no, you don't park. You're going to come with us. We're going to drive you there. And then we're going to, we're going to go sing the anthem. And then you get to stand on a home plate at Fenway Park. <laughs> He's like, oh Where my God. That's so, that's the best. That's the most Rhode Island answer ever. Yeah. Where would I park?
0: I remember going to a party with a couple friends of mine in Narragansett. And then we got back to Cranston and my buddy was like, oh man, I'm so happy to be back in Cranston.
1: I'm like, what did you say? From, yeah. Said no one ever. Right. <laughs> well, when I was trying to convince my daughters to go to URI, because, you know, I took them the slowest route I could take. I can get there in 36 minutes if I really want to. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But we can also make it 56 minutes. And it seems far in Rhode Island. Drive an hour and you're still in the state. That's unheard of. Yeah. So you're in the woods, basically. Yeah, I'm like, when was the last time we drove down here? They're like, never. I'm like, exactly. Yeah. You're not going to see me. I'm not going to be driving by campus waving at you. Right. Like, you're going to live in your own world, and you're going to have a great old time down here. So I was so glad that, you know, two of them decided to go there, which is like uh, just the greatest gift ever. Yeah. I think I may lose the, the last one to Colorado. We'll say she's super happy. Yeah. And I took her out there for my, one of my Denver shows, took her to Red Rocks, took her to freaking, we went snowboarding at Copper Mountain. She's it's like, a
0: strong pull.
1: This, and we took a tour of UC Boulder, which is maybe one of the nicest campuses in America. Really? Like, it's ridiculous. i been. No. It's an absurdly nice college campus, and you're looking at mountains, and there's just like it looks like they paid actors to like run around on the quad that are like everyone is like super crunchy, good looking, yeah, like khaki sacking yeah, yeah. and freaking yeah, doing their like hippie dances. <laughs> like, wow, this is real here. And they're like, doing the tightrope. Oh, totally Ever seen that. <laughs> oh yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous, man. I'm like, oh boy, this is. Uh, I just thought it'd be fun to do a college tour. And I'm like, she's gonna want to go here now. Yeah, it's a strong pull. And I'll it's how there. much? It's beautiful. Yeah, I'm going to need to sell a lot of guitars for her to go to college there. <laughs> uh, so, All right, dude. Yeah, well, man. Thanks for doing it. Thanks Appreciate for letting it. me be long-winded, and hopefully you don't have to edit the crap out of this. It's the best. I love it. <laughs> love it.
0: All right. And that's it. That's the episode with Mr. Pat McGee. Really hope you enjoyed it. Uh, email the podcast afterthegigpod at com. You can also check out the Patreon at patreon.com slash afterthegig as a way to support the podcast. And that is all. I will see you next time. Bye.
1: Yeah. Quinn sits on a bus ride, wondering how this become his life. Miles for his children, even more from his wife. If it was his choice, he.